Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show, bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to our Monday night show of the Nick and Matt Show. This is episode 159, presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Really quick about Cosmic Disc Golf. They will be down at the USCGC in the Vendor Village Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if you're going to USCGC to hang out, tell them hi from the Nick and Matt Show. You heard that they were going to be down there from us. They're awesome supporters of the show. Excuse me. Also, you can check them out at CosmicDG.com for all of your cosmic needs. They did a ton of awesome stuff over at the MVP open this year. I'm sure they have a ton of fun stuff planned for USDGC. Like I said, though, check them out Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the vendor village, Matt episode 159. How you doing? Hot takes last week by you. <laughs> yeah, let's get to that. Evan, you're here. Uh, Evan, Evan Kearns, here. stat man to everybody. Welcome to the show. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I saw you on purpose. I'm like, he's taking a drink. Switch to him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. But I got the sip in just as he switched Yes, over. you did. Uh, and also a reminder, Disc Golf Pins. If you visit their website, you can get the Naked Matt Show first to run. That's what we should have called them. Or protos. Yeah. Like, apparently you get a lot of money calling something a prototype. So. <laughs> actually right up behind me you can't see it on the wall but there's a expensive the disc right there yeah. limited the lester mass proto time lapse yep. okay. you know i will say i got the most likes when you were posting about you know how much are people willing to pay and i said i'll let you call it the matt and nick show i, I got the most you. likes i thought that was very worthy go, of here you go getting the disc well it's not really what you want <laughs> okay um yeah so disc golf pins check them out it's a pre-sale and get that first run because we've got other ideas coming up for that as well. Uh, yeah, hot takes. Uh, well, it's interesting because as I got onto my plane flight last week, so for those who listened last week, you heard me running, not running, but I was walking through Detroit's airport. If you've ever done that, it's a long terminal, like one terminal from like one all the way to like 78, like all in a row. And so I was on those like moving sidewalks. I'm like, join the show and I make it to my gate. I think someone was upset at me and not because of the moving sidewalk, but they were just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Hey, I'm live here. Like it was just anyways. So I'm trying to bring like coherent, like thought to what I was saying. And I think what ended up happening was I was sharing without having processed really why I was having the feelings of boredom. And so having gone through a week of like reflecting, we were on the party podcast, Nick and me were on mm -hmm. the party pod party podcast last night. Shout out Hannah and Christine doing really cool things there. And of course I get asked that question or we get asked that question like about like, Hey, is it good for the sport or is it boring? Um, I saw over on um, foundations channel, they had a YouTube video, whether or not it was from my take or other people had it like, is this good for the sport or is it boring? Mm -hmm. And then, um, where else did I see that? I posted it up to you guys. <clears throat> there was another uh, question where that got asked. And I'm like, man, so the fact that we're asking the question is either because people are feeling bored or because we just need like takes, right? Yeah. And I'll be genuinely honest. After processing this, I don't think I was bored by the competition leading up to Ben, Evan, that the first three <laughs> rounds were like actually the best. But the problem is the final round of any event is like the most like exciting usually that's the one where you put everything in it almost doesn't matter what happened the first three rounds and i watched kristen underperform that's already said mm -hmm. and i watched that and then i watch her walk it in um at the end 
and I just feel like the excitement of the moment, what you guys at Stat Mando write and produ- pr- provide to the Disc Golf Pro Tour, of like how big this was, her emotions didn't match it, and her gameplay didn't seem to match it in that round. It was, it was, thrown, it was just thrown off to me. So I, I want to be clear. I don't think FPO is boring. Some people wanted to make that take that Matt's like anti-FPO. <laughs> I just don't love seeing walk-in wins where they're just kind of like, hey, like I already knew I was winning or it makes it feel like they're bored by winning. Mm-hmm. Now, to be clear, this isn't about Kristen. Kristen's personality and the way that she wins, if you will. Nick, you mentioned this last night on the party podcast, like with grace, like that's hers to do. Mm -hmm. She also can't control her competition. Like if she's blowing people out of the water, if she wins all the time, that has nothing to do with it either. Anybody in her situation, walking in as many wins as she has at the end of it is going to be boring to me. It's not even a take. It's not like FPO is boring. That's not my take. Mm -hmm. My take is I was bored following that win. It was like, man, the, the moment that she just had didn't seem to match the expression of what we watched. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my reaction. And quite frankly, didn't anybody want to see Henna win that? And if there was anybody rooting for that moment of like, Henna, this is your time, and then watching that fall off, like there was a lot of feelings that, ha- that happened. So you can't take anything away from Kristen again. Plain and simple. I just think it's more exciting to watch a close game. That's what I was reacting to. And then in that round specifically, it was hard to tell if it was her dominance or her competitors' poor performances. And to make a take that, well, even if Kristen plays bad, she wins. It just feels like that. We don't want that for the sport. Yeah. Um, So that doesn't take away from her win. But again, it just came back to my actual feelings. And I don't try to sugarcoat anything here. Like, uh, I, I won't throw anybody else under the bus, but like, we don't want to say things that inflammatory, but like, it was legit. I was like, man, I was kind of bored after that moment. Take a big zooming away picture. And I think Evan, you set this up. Maybe it was last week and I had to get on my plane. If you zoom away and you look at like what's happening, like in the sport, it's actually incredibly impressive. And my take or my opinion was not with that perspective. So when you zoom back, you're like, look at what she's doing. It's massive. And so with that, congratulations to Kristen. That is my take. Congratulations. I think I, think one I of the was other just things, bringing another perspective. That's all. Yeah. And I think kind of to go on that for a little bit more before we have Jeff Spring in, he actually will be in in just a couple of minutes. Um, we, Matt and I were on the, uh, by the way, I'm Nick. That is Matt. I think some people commenting get us confused where like someone said that I said FPO was boring and I was like, I don't think I've ever said that. Just look at the logo. Yeah. So anyways, um, Nick, Matt, nice to meet you all. So (laughs) one of the things we, we did the party podcast last night with Hannah because Christine is out traveling right now. And so we actually got to talk a lot more about this take a lot more about FPO in general. And I think just talking about it, you do understand what kind of Matt's mindset is with this, my mindset, Hannah's mindset, all these different people just by talking about it. And one of the things that Hannah had mentioned and Matt just did a little bit ago is Kristen, you know, she even said it in her post round, um, post round interview is that she didn't play great. She didn't feel like she played great. She didn't put on the show that she feels like she should have been able to put on, but also a a couple of the other ladies did not play great as well, which it ended up being Kristen could get the win with it. So you can be disappointed after a win by how you played. I mean, these players are athletes. They are spectacles there for kind of our enjoyment in a sense of their playing the sport that we love to watch. And so, yeah, it's a little, 
you know, tough sometimes when you don't feel like you performed your absolute best and you didn't put on the show that maybe you want to. But I think she might have been bored with her performance. Yeah, she I'm just been. saying. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, hey, look, a win's a win, and absolutely, she got the grand slam. It's incredible. Exactly. That's yeah. the zoomed out perspective. <laughs> Thank you guys for letting me get that in. Obviously, I joined for a little bit and had to jump. I'm, I listened to your whole episode. You guys don't even need me anymore. It's nice to sit back. Maybe I can take vacation and let you guys run it more often. I do want to address someone who I says... Ca- I call the next vacation. <laughs> Matt, did you find it boring when Tom Brady was going to the Super Bowl? We talked about this. We did. There was actually times where I said yes to that, but, the, but this is also apples and oranges. That's a team sport. Like, I know we like to give Tom Brady a lot of credit, best quarterback ever, but that's a team sport. If you look at individual, um, I'm thinking of the bicyclist. Uh, is that Armstrong? Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's times and places where you're like, come on, like, you've done it so much, or like, you, it's not even exciting. Someone said it's happening right now with F1. This is not to take away their moment. If I was to celebrate with them, I would do that. This is a podcast where we talk all different perspectives, and I wanted to bring... I said, man, this was a feeling I had. I can either sit quietly and say, hey, this was amazing, or I can say how I was feeling. That's it. All right, moving on. Uh, Jeff Spring is not logged into our green room yet. I'm assuming any minute. He did ask to be on the earlier side tonight. So, Well, when he does come on, we'll go right into it. But Evan. Yes. Celtics (laughs) trading away my favorite players on the team. To get players that I don't even like. Wait, what who is going on? Players, dude, even, Marcus Smart was a baller. Uh, Rob okay, Williams from, from Rob way Williams, earlier. Dude, okay, time way Lord, earlier this offseason. Time Lord, one of the best. Uh, one of the time most fun interesting players. one. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's purely an injury decision. You know, I, he, I hear you. Yeah, he's not very good at staying on the yeah. on the court. As in, like that, that kind of makes it sound within the game. But I think people yeah. know what I mean. Like staying healthy. Exactly. Uh, that's been something he struggled with. So it's tough when you have those players and you're counting on them to win championships. And then he's out for the Eastern conference finals, like, or it comes back game six, whatever it was. I forget. Yeah. So I, I think these are like, uh, they're not like sexy trades, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it, that's kind of been what's going on. It's like filling in and, and now that I think about it more, I, I just said the injury thing. I mean, we traded for Kristaps Porzingis, but people are going to be like, oh, he's, he's injured. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> saw, I saw something where he's playing yeah. more games than Damian Lillard in like the last okay. three or four seasons, something okay. like that. So uh, obviously Damian Lillard being the the big trade over the to big the big trade over to the box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, here's my prediction. It's like, it the Eastern Conference feels like it's everything's leaning towards the Bucks and the Celtics, and it's like yeah. I heard like it's the Cold War. You know, it's U.S. versus Russia. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry, trust the process the, from the 76ers though. Yeah, oh, get that please. crap out of here. Stop with the whole trust but, the process. That process yeah. failed. Yeah, my my one like NBA hot take for the day is like the Eastern Conference Finals is not going to be Celtics versus Bucks. Uh, my personal hope it's Celtics versus someone else, but yeah. I. Uh, it could be Bucks versus someone else. So no, it'll be uh, Celtics versus I, someone it's else. Not, it's not going to be uh, as um, obvious as people think. I mean, yep. NBA is exciting. You know, Heat are still a good team. All that. Exactly. Uh, going to cut you off now, though, because Matt, I do see in our virtual green room, we do have the man of the hour, Jeff Spring. Matt, if you would like to wow. do the introduction. Very cool. Uh, is it okay to say friend of the show? I'm sure it is. Friend of the show? Friend of the, we can say whatever we want yeah. until he's on. Okay. Great ambassador of the sport. Friend, friend of the show. Jeff Spring, uh, CEO, and so much more at the Disc Golf Pro Tour. It looks like we got him muted, but it looks... Okay, good. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. Just hanging out on a beautiful Monday night, ready to talk some disc golf right after. We were just talking about the Celtics a little bit. Big news happening in the basketball world. I'm excited for basketball to start again. But I think some even more major news 
$40,000 is going to first place in the FPO division and the MPO division at the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships. That's insane. $40,000 is a lot of freaking money to play disc golf for four days straight. Talk to us just how that came about and what, what, what did you guys have to do to get to this uh, insane margin? Yeah, well, as you know, we kind of pride ourselves on really making the Tour Championship the, uh, the, the big moment at the end of the large part of that uh a large part of that was definitely uh due to like record purses through the years so um <clears throat> we were pretty close uh and uh you know thanks to our friends at, at barbasol and the great support of our partners um you know we were happy to to get over the finish line there and uh deliver yeah kind of biggest uh ever single payout for the mpo and fpo winner ever uh <laughs> of 40k and pdga PDGA history. And um, then of course the 322. So uh, it's exciting. You know, I want to thank all of our partners, all of our sponsors of the tour all year long for allowing us to uh, reach this height at the end of the year. It's been a hard year. And as you guys know, um, you know, the COVID boom has subsided and the industry, uh, while we see continued growth, it's not as a, you know, at quite the rapid rate. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just shows that the professional side still growing fast. Uh, we're still doing the right things and uh, we're really proud. Yeah, absolutely. I think Nick and I were talking prior to the show, $40,000 for the average person. If they had like a not good year and they got a $40,000 payout, they're like, oh, I can like scrap the, like, it's like I can scrape by. If you are a disc golfer, an average disc golfer, and you made nothing, but you got $40,000, you had a very successful year. And I think having that tied to one event is incredible. I've said this from day one of the the championship being announced back in the day if you were going to put like a importance level on that it was going to be through money because it was hard to just like establish like hey this is a big deal but when you put money behind it players now are like this is worth something so is that i mean that's the full intention of this event is to make the tour worth something uh not just that i mean i think the tour is extremely valuable throughout the year every stage of it every event of it but it certainly puts the emphasis on the point series mm -hmm. it puts the emphasis on sustained performance throughout the year getting you an advantage um and you're right you know i think because we want to show the advantage that people earn throughout the year it's important to you know have a unique format that's not as conducive to you know maybe a standard event that um is a major so you know the the standout factor here is is the cash is mm -hmm. added cash and everything you're working for all season so um you know we're we're changing the format this year we've got uh two rounds um two rounds in the semifinals and then two rounds in the finals and so uh we've got a new uh starting strokes element to the semifinals where if you're the number one seed in the mpo you've earned six strokes all all the way down um kind of as a gradient to you know even par is where you start if you just squeaked in mm -hmm. um and it's five strokes on the fpo side so maybe you guys have discussed that yeah. in the past but we think it's going to be a really exciting semis um you know this is also about learning and experimentation and and you know trying to find that perfect formula so we've been in kind of the one round uh, moving on to the next round what we heard from players is that they would like to play more rounds even the mm -hmm. top players felt like sometimes it's a disadvantage somebody comes in hot and I'm just starting out my tournament around one and everything's on the line. So, you know, really the top players said it would be more advantageous to go this route. Um, so we're excited to see the results this year. Um, yeah. And excited to have uh, some of the biggest, biggest stakes in disc golf history. To oh, play yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited to see how that plays as well. We did talk about this idea last year because to your point, there were players that felt like they weren't getting a good head start, but they still wanted an advantage. You know, how do we make it where this is great? Excellent. Um, so the schedule, the North American Disc Golf Pro Tour event schedule was announced this week. Um, I'll just start out by saying, you know, congratulations on pulling something of this massive magnitude together, like people trying to schedule one event in a year, let alone trying to organize how they all happen um, in, a, in a tour that's functioning and sustainable is incredible. So congratulations there to you and your team. Um, there's a lot of questions to be had here. Um, but I'll just start out because we're closest to this, I think, is a wraparound season not a thing anymore? Because I know that was announced last year, like, hey, there are some, but now there's not silver events and all that. So, like, is wraparound season kind of a thing of the past already? Yeah, it was a one-year trial. Um, I think the feedback we got was uh, maybe in the future. I don't. I think it had its positives and mm -hmm. negatives. Um, you know, I think that we're we're making room for the creation of a farm system. We know that high school and college disc golf is starting to progress, um, but we need a qualifying tour. And so, you know, I think that the off season um, has has a great potential for great events. And you know, we really are, are mm. looking uh, forward to announcing plans for qualifying tour for twenty twenty four. And um, you know, uh, as with most most things that we do when we push the envelope forward. Uh, we got to grow into them a little bit. So, you know, um, just like the tour championship the first year, uh, not everybody who qualified actually participated. Now everybody wants, you know, to earn that spot all year. Yeah. And there's goals for the entire season. Some, some players goals are make the tour championship. So, you know, we think the same thing will happen with the qualifying tour. We'll, we'll put it out there. We'll grow into it. And uh, at some point in the near future, you know, players will be trying to compete to get onto that. Um, but, uh, the, the wraparound, you know, we're going to keep our options open in the future. Um, but, uh, not for 2024. I think, uh, one of the other major things that is going on the all-star break and last year started out on the West coast and now we're completely flipping coast. We're going to the East coast this year for the all-star event and the first event of the disc golf pro tour season on the elite series side of things. What came into the decision with that? Well, just generally, we've been working with our players council more often, and we've been surveying the players a little bit more. And, and there was a survey about, um, you know, kind of the travel mileage, uh, the number of events, uh, the breaks between events, the distance between all the events. And, and one thing that stood out was certainly um, traveling to the West Coast to come back to the East Coast to back, go, go back to the West Coast was not the most efficient way <laughs> to tackle things. Um, we haven't totally solved this, but, you know, I think the Champions Cup um, you know, as moving out of that, that window, uh, recently allowed for, for the possibility, um, to put the event that we've been, been planning into that starting spot and, and reduce, uh, the, the number of miles, uh, mm -hmm. traveled and, and, um, you know, we, we really want to listen to the players. We want to respond to, uh, them as a group, you know, uh, there's a lot of strong opinions, uh, and we process all of that and then generally try to, uh, get a sense of where, where everybody says that. So I definitely played into this decision. Yeah. So again, a lot of things came up with this announcement of schedule because there was quite a few adjustments, um, things that people and players had become used to seeing for, uh, for lack of better way to put it. Um, one thing that stands out if you, if you browse around social media at all is like people's reaction to the way the map looks. So you see a lot of placeholders on, uh, I guess, east of Kansas City, uh, and then all the way to the west, you go over to mainly California is where you find a few events. 
you talk about, you know, the players' reactions and how they feel about it. Um, is there any reason for that specifically? I mean, I know what goes into getting an event. People have to put in the bids for it. But were you guys like, hey, we want to fill these spots. We want to find these good events. Put in your bids. Like, are you trying to or is this strategic on purpose? No, uh, we we want TDs from the Mountain West uh, to step up and, um, you know, say, hey, we want to we can do it. We can run an event. Um, you know, definitely we're looking more at geography. Um, we're going to be doing our best to certainly, you know, kind of space out events and not be in the same market uh, as often or if at all in the future. Um, but in terms of, you know, recent history, we've been in Utah, we've been in Colorado, we've been in Montana with either match play events or um, Silver Series events. And, you know, I think that uh, there's a bright future for those events, um, you know, in that region. Uh, and we're actively developing some, honestly. So, you know, normally the Silver Series would be announced uh, or the Silver events would be announced with this schedule. And you would see some more in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think that since, uh, you know, we're delaying the announcement of the qualifying events, um, you know, it, it looks maybe a little bit sparser. Okay. Um, I would expect to see some qualifying events in that region for those players um, and for the touring players. And, you know, I believe, you know, like I just said, for the players, there needs to be a farm system. The mm -hmm. same thing for the events and the Silver Series have, you know, Silver events in the past have served that purpose um, partially. Um, and, and now the qualifying events will. And, and I think you'll see what's kind of coming down the line. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we definitely want to, we don't want to be there. I think that, you know, population metro centers certainly matter to the tour now, you know, uh, in order to sustain growth, like the big payout that we had, like, um, you know, our minimum purse is 30K, but mm -hmm. over half of our events went over 50K added. We had, I think, five or six, maybe more that was over 70K added if you count the playoff events and such. So this happens because they're in attractive places for spectators to come to um, and for all the fans watching on site and online so um when we you know find venues that can develop and deliver you know a great spectating experience it definitely matters for the sustainability of what the players expect which is mm -hmm. you know good purses and good money to play for so they can continue their career so it's a it's quite the formula and as you noted to start this question you know um it's it's a big process so it takes a big team and you know like i said we got a farm system and i expect those uh, slots to be filled in the coming years very cool so hey, uh, I'll go ahead, here. Evan. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. With the talk of the hey. qualifying events, how's it going, Jeff? Uh, with the talk of the qualifying yeah. events, uh, is the I know it's uh, still in the works, but is the general plan to have it kind of follow the tour schedule? So as you're moving out west, maybe fill in a qualifying event, or is it going to be kind of uh, I don't want to say sporadic, but uh, not following the tour? You might have a East Coast event while you guys are over in the West Coast doing OTB Open, for instance. Yeah, I think that. Uh, we'll have the majority following the tour, but we're open to regional events that don't align with the map and the tour schedule. Um, so we'll, we're working with events that represent kind of both scenarios. And um, I believe that for folks that are trying to earn their tour card or tour card holders that are kind of on that edge may or may not qualify through points, they'll want to maybe hit those events. Uh, whereas if they're assured that, you know, they don't need to worry about their tour card or through qualifying, um, you might see players, you know, maybe not go to those events, but we've talked to some events and they're, they're great events that you know, will be qualifying events. We see them as, as super A tiers, you know, kind of big purses. 
they want to still attract the big names. And I think that that's going to show us that that event is ready to step up when, you know, they have some notable players going to their event, um, you know, and there aren't points on the line. And uh, that's what we're looking for is, is, you know, high quality events, high quality courses. Um, uh, you know, if we can find some of the best courses in the world, we are always interested. So um, a little bit of both, Evan. Yeah. And then a little bit related to that is with um, no longer having uh, silvers on the schedule, you know, there's less events, although there's still a lot, but there are more uh, open weekends. Uh, is there plans to try to maybe fill in those weekends with coverage of maybe say qualifying events or Euro tours or other events uh, that can just get live coverage? Yeah, we've been working really hard on the European plans for next year and uh, we're getting ready to announce that soon. So I would expect some points events in Europe. Um, we always roll out our schedules and phases. And so, you know, our next phase um, will be followed up with what events uh, are worth what points uh, beyond what is evident uh, from our schedule release. So um, we'll have uh, more to come, I would say. And um, in, in terms of a little bit more of the gaps, yes. I mean, a lot of the long drives deserve a week off in between for the touring players, our staff, so on and forth. Uh, but there will be opportunities now to do some some other fun events uh, that people will be able to tune into. Um, so I expect a robust, uh, you know, viewing opportunity for uh, Disc Golf Network viewers. Actually, you know, it's probably going to be the best season of viewership ever, and uh, we're really excited. Very cool. Um, this is a short one. You don't need to elaborate much. But is United Series something designation for all these events? Like or I guess whatever you want to say, but is there a designation already set for these? Yeah, not yet. We're, we're working on that. And okay. in the near future, we're going to announce the plans for the United series uh, for 2024. We did put that out in the release, but um, okay. I, you know, I'm not sure if it got picked up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I guess I didn't pick it up. I apologize. Um, so who knows? I, I gave congratulations to the team for getting this scheduled to the finish line. I, I can only again, imagine what that takes working with so many other planning teams and big events, established events. Uh, who's a part of that team? Uh, you probably mentioned our team, but like, is there anybody that you have as like a role or a position where you guys are working to schedule these uh, and make this happen? Is it just you? Is it you and another person? Or like, how are you doing this? Yeah, so we've got our operations leadership team, um, which consists of Brian Cole, our operations director, Phil Delone, our assistant tour director, uh, Christine Jennings, who is um, an operations director, but also an administrative executive in our company, um, as well as uh, a couple other, uh, Seth Munzee, our director of uh, player performance uh, and health and safety. Um, and then we have Charles McCracken, um, and the rest of our executive team, mm -hmm. you know, everybody takes a look at it and, um, you know, uh, chimes in. Some people help with the process. Some people help with the uh, actual scheduling. Um, but, you know, next year um, we're looking to get even further, further ahead. So we're going to be putting out, um, <laughs> you know, time bid, bid guidelines and, and timing. And we, we expect to, you know, announce earlier, I would say, you know, every every year we, we believe will be a little bit earlier and uh, hopefully we'll be back a little bit earlier, maybe end of summer in 2024. Okay, so it sounds like, I, again, there's no reason to not trust the established team you have there. That's not that's not where this question is going. But when you see something like Las Vegas missing, you have to believe that there was a lot of discussion around that. 
Um, you look at other events that aren't on there and maybe it's not as big of a deal, but you look at a silver event like down that was at North Cove and you're like, oh, that's not there. And you look at, you know, so you start seeing events missing. Um, so that was obviously, I'm sure, discussion surrounding that. But does how does it work with communication and these events? Like, so for instance, you don't have to tell me the inside scoop, but like Steve Dodge, does he already know prior to this announcement, like, Hey, I am a playoff event. And does, um, preserve know I'm already preserve established before the announcement comes out or do they wait? They're like, come on pro tour announcement. We roll the dice. Are we back in? Like, is that how it works? No, no, no. Uh, everyone knows we, we go through a process of, establishing what the framework of the season is going to look like. So this year, we we definitely had a, a lot of challenges. And so, you know, part of our structure was, you know, we're going to focus on our best events. We're going to make this transition. Uh, we're going to look for a geographically improved uh, travel schedule. Um, and then from that framework, you know, we go through our event rating system and, you know, we kind of go down the line um, and let um, the dates, you know, fall uh where the events suggest them um and then you know you put together the pieces of the puzzle um you know, kind of based on you know weight historical weight uh and performance of events uh a bit and um historical placement and uh and then put it all together and i think that that's basically it in a nutshell mm -hmm. um but no we're, we're in con constant communication with events it and you know it's definitely uh uh, definitely exciting to, to get everything ready to go and, and then hit the, hit the send button. And where that question came from, from in full transparency is the Las Vegas challenge, uh, Facebook event page communication said that they were surprised. Now that doesn't mean they didn't know before. And that's kind of where I was trying to get at. Like, did they find out in the moment or were they just reacting to their fact that they were surprised at, at them not having an event and they waited till the announcement and then they made that post. But um, obviously there's tough relationships to navigate there. Well, you know, events come and events go on the tour, you know, we're going to see that type of churn, mm -hmm. uh, year in and year out. And, you know, we hope to, uh, you see the LVC return to the tour in the future. Um, I think that there's a few differing philosophies and, uh, that's okay. You know, I think that the LVC has an incredible volunteer staff and we'll certainly, you know, miss them and, um, you know, going out there this year, but, you know, hopefully we'll return in the future. Um, but no, you know, nobody was, was surprised, you know, maybe surprised that it, it didn't, you know, come to fruition and, and work right. out. But, you know, we, we understand that everybody has their take at what, uh, the biggest events in the world should look like mm -hmm. and, um, you know, what the disc golf pro tour and event relationship should be. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to accept that there's a little bit of a differing philosophy on that. Um, and as I said, events come and go, we hope to, uh, you know, return some events that aren't on the tour over the past few years. And, uh, you give those events time to, to grow, um, and, and maybe come back in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then um, one other thought, because again, we, we don't get all of our questions from the social media, but people have these questions and we're a talk <laughs> show and we feel like people are interested in these things. So like, does the Disc Golf Pro Tour have, and I would assume yes to this first part, responsibility to work with local events to coordinate scheduling of the elite events, right? Your tour events. So like, for instance, you go into a region and they have an A tier established that they run every year. Are you looking at the events that are happening around or is it really one of these things where you're like, 
and not in a cocky, arrogant way, but like we're the pro tour and like we're going to do what's best for us. Like, how, how do you navigate that? And I, specifically, like, I guess people are talking about maybe down in Florida, the all-star event lining up with a large A tier or something other like, and that's where the question started coming from. Like, what do you guys look at when you go and take an event? Yeah, so we have a very defined process here and it's set by the PDGA. Um, they set their majors first every year. And then we set elite, then there's PDGA elite series. So any PDGA elite series goes into scheduling next and then the eight tier process. So that's that's what we follow. Um, and, and we try to focus on, you know, what's gonna work and, and the way that that happens is that, you know, we, we know that the majors have the most planning time and resource allocation. Um, and so they need, you know, the widest berth uh, but next up, you know, is, is certainly elite series and affiliated events. Um, so, you know, we put put that schedule out there uh, and then the HR requests come in. And so, you know, that's really basically the long and the short of it. Great. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I think people are happy to hear these conversations because so much, like I said, in the social media, co co quote, conversation happens and nobody gets a real answer. It's all just opinions. And I, I'm glad you're able to share with us how that how that works out. I think, you know, yeah, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying it happens the same, same every year, year in, year out <laughs> since, you know, I've, I've been a part of it. It's, um, you know, it, once we became an elite series, you know, in the national tour, you know, we, before we were an elite series, it was like majors, then national tour, and then eight tier requests. And we would coordinate with uh, the PDGA to schedule the DGBT at the same time as the national tour, but the national tour would have preference. Um, and then we would just work through that. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, we've merged together. And so the DGPTs go and then we coordinate and right when we announce they're ready and they hit the eight tier request form. So if you're an eight tier out there, uh, eight tier requests are open. Can I possibly throw out a what if situation though? Like just go back to like days of like Memorial championship. It's, it's not a pro tour. It would be an A tier at this point. And like, you knew it was established and hardcore there. Yeah. They didn't get approved for this year, but you go in and you're like, isn't that when Fountain Hills, you know, a Memorial championship take place. Like, I guess that's kind of where the question was like pointing a little bit is like, if you're aware and know, like how much of that factors in anything, or is it just like, Hey, this is the process. We all live with it. Yeah, absolutely. We we would take into account anything that that we can. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we've uh, built a, a strong business that's driving the industry forward. And, you know, I think that what ends up working in terms of geography for the, the touring pros, the players, uh, the people on the road grinding 24 seven throughout the season, um, you know, has got to, you know, take a front seat in decision making of our company, which is there to serve them. Right. So, you know, we're trying to prioritize the players. We're trying to look at a schedule that makes sense. Um, and that's gotta be the priority. You know, it's gotta be the priority for our business. Um, and, and for the entire, you know, pro tour and the entire ecosphere that, you know, surrounds it and supports it. Absolutely. So, I can totally, um, you know, I totally think, appreciate that answer for sure. Um, I think kind of getting a little bit off of the tour scheduling and then what goes into that. And I'm not sure how much you'll be able to elaborate on this, but what are some other things in the 2024 season that we can be, you know, looking out for? I know announcements drop periodically throughout the end of the season, but what's kind of something you may be able to talk about right now for the everyday DGN live subscriber or, you know, anything in the lines of that? Like, what are we most hyped for in the 2024 season? 
Well, I'm excited about the next few schedule announcements. Um, I think that uh, there'll be a few things to take note of um, as we round out the the schedule for 2024. Um, you know, we we definitely have a fun media distribution announcement coming up soon. Um, so look for something about you know new place to to watch disc golf. Um, you know, I think that. Other than that, DGN subscribers will be happy to know we've been working on a, uh, a really long-term project to bring some new features uh, to Disc Golf Network. So we're excited to announce like all the upgrades that we've been working to all season long uh, to implement. And that'll be in effect, hopefully in this off season in, in December. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'd say those are the three headlines, like upgraded functionality uh, features on uh, Disc Golf Network app, um, new new media distribution announcement and uh yeah just rounding out that schedule with some some fun new uh news i would say <laughs> i'm saying this with all love you're still going through the flashcards. you're like okay which one what order <laughs> like <laughs> what, what are we promoting no that's great and fantastic evan you have any last questions here yeah I do, to return to the schedule i think uh it it would caught a lot of our eyes that we're going to Florida to start the season. But the thing that probably caught my eye the most was that Waco is now elevated to a DGPT yeah. plus event, mm -hmm. adding a second course, a fourth round. Um, is there any, uh, there obviously is uh, more excitement for that event coming this year, but is there anything you wanted to share about Waco? Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Draper and, and the Waco team there. Um, you know, it's a 40 year, plus event, one of the longest running events in, in disc golf history. And uh, we've known it to be at the Beast, uh, which produces a variety of winners. And uh, I, some people love that. Some people uh, maybe don't like that as much, but uh, I think it adds a certain flavor to the tour, especially earlier in the, se earlier in the season. We are adding a new course. And uh, I was lucky enough to spend some time there um, this March. And I'm, I'm headed back this off season. Um, there's a new venue, um, Lake Waco, which is a, a, a golf facility nearby, uh, but they have hundreds of acres of land. Um, so, you know, this course is going to be awesome. Uh, maybe beast, uh, part two, or since we have another beast, <laughs> maybe the third beast, I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a great layout. Um, Who? it was set up for amateurs last year and, uh, tested. Um, you know, great facility, um, you know, they're ready to go and, and we're really excited to, uh, tack on the extra day. Who goes into the design process of that for the pro tour level? Yeah. So the, the tour, uh, will always, you know, basically oversee, um, you know, uh, approving a course, uh, at this point in time through our operations staff. So myself, Phil, uh, Brian, Christine, um, we have some design consultants that we work with as well that we've worked with in the past, Steve Rinster, John Houck, um, some others that we've brought in before. Mm -hmm. um, but in the, in most cases, um, the local organizing committee um, will, you know, uh, have a course that's made, created, designed by um, a local or someone they brought in, you know, an MAO, they brought in John Houck, for instance, to design yep. Harmony Benz. And mm -hmm. that was an existing course. And sometimes things are built around courses and we approve tournament layouts. But in this case, um, Joey Harrell, um, who I believe, you know, designed and installed the beast and then Ryan Draper have collaborated on the Lake Waco design, uh, previewed it with me, um, showed me the, uh, changes for the, the pro layout. 
uh, and Phil, Phil is there as well. Um, and so we gave initial approval and we're going back to do some work on it um, to get it to the finish line with them. And uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be, it's a really cool property. I think people will be very excited. Very cool. In wrapping this up, cause we also have a really cool guest besides you tonight, Will Shoestrake, man, that guy, three That's US, awesome. yeah, three US titles. We had to bring him in prior to this week. Um, but Florida, like people have been crying for Florida. We've had championship events there and all that with the pro tour, but like an actual stop in Florida and it's called the Florida open. I think that had to be just to be like, we did it, but (laughs) like the Florida open, um, how, how excited is the pro tour to be there? Oh, thrilled. Really? I mean, it's the top rated course in Florida. I think it's 4.8 on UDISC. It's a, uh, unique geological uh, piece of property and um, there's big improvements going into it mm-hmm. and so you know since the transition of ownership um, you know we actually we were talking to Mike Barnett and you know throw down the mountain and that crew for a long time very close to being a silver event there in the past just kind of date conflict and you know um, I think that it's going to be you know a great team um, they're running the event and you know the the course is getting upgrades and um, you know, I think I've heard an eventual big clubhouse and, you know, I think that uh, just just being able to be, you know, in between Orlando and, and Tampa and, and, you know, that time of year, uh, we're really excited to see the, the DGBT fans of the tour, the players come out. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a really special one. So we're already we're already hyped for 2024. I know we haven't oh, yeah. finished 2023 yet, but um, I think it's going to be the certainly we're feeling like it's going to be the best, strongest season of the tour. Uh, in our in our history, and um, I think we're we're getting close to that ten year anniversary. So we're we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get something really special done then, mm. which I think is uh, one more year. Mm-hmm. This is our ninth season next year, so uh, we're excited. Hell yeah! Well, you are so generous and kind to come on our show as often as you do. And I know you spread the love. You're not only on our show, but man, we appreciate the insight. As I mentioned before, we can all talk. And we used to do this. We've had players reach out to us. They're like, why don't you just ask us instead of talking about us? <laughs> so we're glad that you come on. I just figure we'll get you on. You can answer the questions that we got. And I think people in the chat, there's a few that came in, Jeff, that I think are worth sharing. Um, says Jeff Spring could read bedtime stories to my kids. He's awesome. Very well spoken. <laughs> Seems comfortable. They they love you on here. So there's no hate that I'm seeing coming your way. We appreciate what you're doing. It's always good to see you out there on the road. And so until next time, is there anything you want to shout out that we missed? No, I mean you guys were plenty thorough. Okay, so I appreciate right. that. <laughs> great. No, we didn't dig too always much great, in trying to get great. some of the fun stuff, but <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. We, you know, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it, mm-hmm. and you know, we're we're excited for the season and and excited to talk about it too. So if we um, don't ask, to, if we don't yeah, ask. Exactly. People are like, what have you done? You had Jeff on your show and you didn't ask this question. I know we've already missed ones, but thank you for saying we're thorough. Yeah, no, you guys have, have done your duty for, for your fans and subscribers, <laughs> I think. So. Uh, no, but we, I love coming on. I know I can't say yes every time, but I'm yeah. um, happy to be a uh, friend of the show. No, yeah, appreciate absolutely. It. All right, Jeff, until next time, we'll catch up with you again uh, somewhere on the road, maybe, or back up here in New England again. So thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Say what's up to Will. Oh, we'll absolutely. I think actually Will might have heard that. So we'll we'll get him in here and uh, we'll welcome him to the show in just a minute here. So take it easy, Jeff. As we get into our next guest, um, 
we are excited because this is a player that we <laughs> everyone's smiling why we got music going boys that's what we do on the naked mash show we have a very special guest um if you are new to the sport you <laughs> ben has a salute u.s united states disc golf champion three times um if you're new to the sport you might not be as familiar with him um but when i came into the sport this is the player that when i walked on maple hill and i saw him I'm like, I have to get a picture with Will and kids like line up <laughs> like Will Shoestricks here. So three time United States disc golf champion, Will Shoestrick, everybody. Let's welcome to the show. Will, how are you doing, man? Wow. Hello. 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 All right. So doing? I don't know why, Ben, but you're gonna have to work on the video. We do have your audio. I think is the audio running, Ben? Yeah. For him? Give me a sec. Give you a second. Three. We did such an epic we thing. We did such an epic Are you, th are you there? You're there, right, though, right, Will? You're there. Did you give him second, second guest one for the yeah. link? Yeah. That's the only reason I should. He I should have. There. I should have. You now we're going to blame it on me. Will. We're just figuring out okay. how to get your video feed up on the screen for some other reason. Wow. That might be one of those times where we had the most epic <laughs> reveal ever. It was okay. So I feel like I'm I'm like amped up to go to battle right what now. What I'm gonna like do I just feel like Matt gave a speech during Independence Day and we're like <laughs> Nick, I wanna fight the aliens. I looked oh, across no. from me and Nick is like inspired, like, let's go, bro, <laughs> let's go. Um, I'm gonna send you a link one more time, uh, Will. So drop out of this, come back in, try this link Second that message. I just sent you um in your text message, like close out of everything, try it again. I, I did send him second guess one. Alfred so. goes, LMAO pumped us up for nothing. There was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, got, I mean, like, people were like yeah. standing and yeah. saluting in their seats or wherever they were. They're like ready to go. Yeah. Before he gets back in here, I got to say, you're hyping up Will as you should for, as three and major US winner, and major. Four time major winner, which, yes. hey, little trivia. What's the fourth major that uh, Will Schustrick won? I, I just have to pull it up and double check. <laughs> you have to it, pull it up and double check. To, oh yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Major. Because um, I was just looking at it. But hey, if you guys want to guess it, is I'll it going to be something like seconds. the Players Cup or Stockholm Open? Look at Ben looking up the answer. Stockholm No, I watched two strings today. Hit second guess I one. I watched two strings today. Hit second oh, guess one. I just want to see. Look at that. Ben did his research ahead of time and knew from I his did. research. Yeah, the Stockholm Disc Golf Open in 2012. Uh, won that over in Sweden, of course, Stockholm, Sweden. Did you hit second guest one? Yes, I have. Because it's not changing anything. Okay, I'm going to do it manually. Do it manually. The name, is the name right, though? Yes, name's right. Okay, all right, well. There's Will. I see him in the green screen. Uh, we had to do things manually tonight, and I don't know why, but here we go. We should have done Beauty the whole the live music, show. Again, but go. here he is. Oh, nice. trick. There we go, finally. <laughs> he is here. This was our bad. I don't know. I think I'm just going to blame it purely on tech bad. Not Ben, not intern Ben. And I'm not taking credit for this one. It was just tech bad. So, Will, we introduced you as three-time U.S. champion, but you are a four-time major winner. People are like, a lot of people probably are fans of you. They watch, Ben's, intern Ben, come here. What have you been watching on YouTube lately? Uh, today? Well, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been watching. I didn't realize how uh, great your... Um 
drills and stuff were. So I, I've been getting it. I've been making sure my left elbow, uh, left shoulder gets back while I'm reaching back. You know, that was that that got me a lot more coil and power. And today, shoestrings just popped up on my screen, <laughs> and um, so I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's coming on the show! I gotta watch it." So I watched it, and that's how I knew about Stockholm Open. But yeah, I, I guess I've been on a little Will Shoestrick, a uh, little um, I don't know what to call it, kick, Ar- kick. archive, yeah, a little archive. kick for the past three weeks. So they they probably yeah. read my mind and were like, "Oh, let's bring him on." Okay, can you fix the yeah, audio yeah, for him too? Okay, so. We haven't let you talk much, but man, I want to know, first of all, how much do these U.S. titles mean to you at this point in your career? You're still invested in disc golf, looking back or whatever it is, you're playing in it this year. Like, what does being a three-time winner of this event mean to you? Yeah, and it's and it's funny. I was thinking, uh, said to a couple of my friends and uh, and my wife, I was like, you know, it could, like looking at it from the outside in, you know, I was like, is this, is this going to be just a total waste of time? And, and really the, the, the root of me wanting to go play USDGC is I've played this since I was uh, 15. I was the youngest person to ever play the USDGC in 2007 I played. And uh, there's just not a lot of things like as I, as I get older, older, mm-hmm. whatever that, whatever that is uh, defined as anymore. <laughs> I just, how, like how to old continue, are you? Uh, 31. Okay. 31. All right. So I just like to, I just want to continue doing something that's been a part of me for so long. Like I started uh, uh, watching the VHS 2003 USDGC, which has <laughs> got to get uploaded to YouTube. Please. Whoever has that raw footage. It's one of the best disc golf videos of all time. And uh, that's the Barry and Kenny playoff. But that got me into wanting to play professional disc golf. And honestly, it just has such like a, a part of my disc golf career, my which is my life. So I really feel like I should just go out of my way to come here and play every single year for like as much as I can, no matter what. And so um, at the beginning of the year, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to be at USDGC. So here we go. So that actually lends to the question. It's kind of like a previous question from other episodes, but previous winners get a spot indefinitely at USDGC. Is that correct? Right. And Worlds at this point does not. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? When you saw like Avery <laughs> Jenkins didn't make it in, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I. It's so <laughs> weird, you know. I I think disc golf is growing so fast that it has got to add in some of these like legacy rules that these other sports mm-hmm. do have. And I think one of those things that Worlds is such a big title, U.S. Open is such a big title that they really need to add in something that is not so. Uh, I don't know. It's like inclusive, but exclusive at the same time. It's like including people that have won, whether they play or not. Like when you watch the par three and okay. you watch, a, you know, you watch what's a, I don't, I don't know golf that much, but they still play the masters. Like some of the people that have, you know, they tee off and they're like 75 years old and they play one round and they end up like not finishing the round, but mm-hmm. they should still have people who mean a lot to the sport and have huge fans from, years ago like avery does to be in the tournament no matter what it should just be hey the tournament's maxed out hey but avery wants to play we should let him in the tournament and uh that's how i feel it should be if ken climo showed up the day of the usdgc and it was filled up (laughs) put him on a card somewhere like just let him play wherever he wants to play like he should just have the right to play 
Uh, unfortunately for Avery, and I'm laughing because it's awkward, but like it's too late now. He's broke his streak. Now they can let him play in future years, but like that streak, man, you can't go back on that. So um, yeah. that that was kind of a sidestep there. The chat right away will throw them a question. Uh, uh, throw them their question to you. Uh, what took you off tour? I know you've had a son born with health complications, which that's a whole story we could talk about at some point. And interesting how the disc golf community. Uh, I, I would say rallied around that. But even before that, you had kind of started stepping away. What was it? I think I heard something about an injury. Yeah, I honestly got pretty bad shoulder arthritis. And um, this week, you'll see me putt left-handed. At wow. The yeah, I've been, I've been doing that for over a year now, honestly. It's not like as crazy as it, as it might sound. Um, but it's just, it's just been difficult to be, you know, I went maybe a year or two and I love disc golf. I, I don't think I've gone a day without saying the words disc golf since I was 12 <laughs> or 13. So it's like, you know, but for a year or two, I really just did not enjoy playing because of my shoulder was not allowing me to do what I used to do at a top level. And, uh, my arm hurt at a pretty severe, I went to a bunch of people who, uh, gave me some professional help on what I could do. You know, they always say surgery you can do, but you'd be out for, you know, a year or more. And when you do come back, there's no promise that it's just going to be right back to where you were. So I kind of went through like, okay, what can I do to like mediate and, and meet somewhere in the middle? And uh, in those times, I just got away from playing because I just didn't find any fun in going to professional tournaments and playing and competing and practicing. And uh, it's a it's a total different mindset going from being a number one player in the world to, you know, competing with not cashing or not cashing. And then do you really still find enjoyment in that sport? And me just taking several steps back, taking a larger role at Prodigy, having a son moving from Nashville to Georgia, you know, doing a lot more locally in my own town, doing course designs and even stepping hugely back on the social media side and making videos has actually helped me really love the sport a lot more for why I got into it in the first place. It's, it's really easy to love something when you're super good at it. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's harder to love something when you were really good. And now all of a sudden you're not that great. And I still think that I can be great without, you know, put that to the side, but, um, it's, it's put things a lot into perspective, especially, you know, having our son and seeing disc golf from a completely reverse 180 degree side that, uh, is not traveling. Like I can't imagine it's, I always make a, I always joke because as soon as I make a, a post on Instagram, the first comment is when are you going to go back on tour? <laughs> yes. No matter what the post is. And it's like, look, I, I can. I really, really appreciate people saying we would love to see you go back on tour because that that means a lot that people still, you know, care to want me to go play to play like that's really nice, a nice gesture. But I just can't imagine being on the road the way people are doing it right now. Like it is such a grind to be on the road, traveling, practicing, uh, trying to be the best, competing against the best. And uh, I just can't imagine myself doing that right now down the road. It may be different circumstances but i just can't imagine doing it it's it's a grind uh yeah it's a grind but one that now pays a million dollars a year if you're the right player <laughs> so it's true yeah it's pretty it's crazy and to speak of number one player you had that title for a while didn't you um when did you achieve that do you remember 2013 
was the year 2013 and uh yeah uh maybe 2011 2011 to 2013 was like around that range where I was like either one or two and um they didn't have USDGC in 2011 they might have only had two majors that year actually hmm. I don't remember if they added in another major or not but we yeah, have a, anyways, we have we matter. have a stack guy have on a stack podcast, guy, Evan. I, I can see him say? right right when you said. I don't know. He was like he's looking it up right away. Yeah, 2011 had three majors. Uh, that's not okay. including the USDGC that year. Um, so we had European Open, Pro Worlds, and PDGA Championship in Georgia. Okay, that's right. Yeah, Ricky that was Ricky's first major win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you held that title, and that was just within ten years. And so like. I'm doing this both for the benefit of longtime disc golfers who know this history, but also a lot of our fans and listeners here on Nick and Matt show are like, tell me more about this guy. And to bring up that number one, four-time major winner, three-time USDGC, right? Um, I remember watching, not live the way we are today, but seeing how some of that unfolded and be like, he did it again. Now you did it every other year, right? It was, was it eight, 10, 12, or was it 10, 12, 14, 10, 12, 14. Okay. I was a little early. Yeah. And they, they, 2011 was the handicapped right. USDGC, which was just com- completely different, nothing of the same tournament at all. And they didn't have the open division. I think that they had such a backlash that they were, <laughs> had to go back to how they originally had it. You would have won that one, Will. Come on now. You, you probably feel hey, like, I it. like I like your confidence. That's what okay. I'm all right. He likes my <laughs> confidence. Um, your rating, you just mentioned lefty putting. So your rating right now, no shame here, 964. I, that excites me. I'm like, I got to go play with Will Schustrick. We can put some money down and maybe, maybe I'll touch it. But yeah, see, he's a, he's a, he's a disc golf shark. So, but here's the real question. Is that underselling your performance? Cause like everybody says my rating is less than my tournament play or whatever. Like I'm a better disc golfer than my rating. Like you feel like 964 is like your performance level right now. I don't know, but what what does rating really mean unless you're yeah. competing to be the number one rated player in the world rating means nothing it means I mean, nothing that's, that's honestly how i feel that's that's just how like if you're not competing to be the best of the best does rating really mean anything to you and it doesn't and if it meant anything to me i would never play a one day one round event in my hometown i just would never i just would never do it i would play the biggest tournaments three times a year to get a 10 10 to 10 30 average and that's it. But I like to go play small tournaments that might have five pros. Like that's 20 minutes from my house. And that's, that's the enjoyment level. That's so much different. And mm-hmm. I've never really cared too much about rating. I think it's something that probably is just going to end up getting like abolished, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't think people really look at it anymore. Like they used to. Sure. And my point wasn't to be like, Hey, is that a big deal to you? But more like to tell people if, they, if they were perusing, you're like you're you're putting down i'm imagining you're putting down thousand rated rounds still like right or no you're not playing that much no i mean i I haven't played that much i've played well you got a stack guy because i can't even remember the last time i played more than a two-day tournament two or three-day tournament i play more local tournaments and stuff like that just just because i don't have the time and it's just so much travel and commitment to go to these Mm -hmm. to go to some tournaments well his skill potential everybody his ceiling is so high i'll just put it that way (laughs) there we go 
Uh, I will look up rounds uh, in a second, but I do have uh, last time you played USD, USDGC, excuse me, in 2021, you did shoot a thousand rated round. I think it was 1012. So you at least have one uh, by then. You also played Music City um, Open that year as well. Oh, sorry. You had 2000 rated rounds. Uh, in round one, you shot a 1021. In round four, you shot a 1012. Uh, then you also had one at the Music City Open that year for elite and major level. Uh, I, I will note uh, at that USDGC in 2021, uh, I don't know what your expectations were going in as finishing, but you did finish higher than Cole Rodalin. <laughs> oh man, just throwing shots at Cole. Holy! I, we played together the last round, actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Look at there that. you go. Kept the I lead. Think I met him there. I either met him there or I met him at Utah Open. I think I met him and his family at Utah Open. Okay. Uh, I got a I got a question. Just talking about USCGC in general. You said you are playing it this year. What are your goals going into this tournament? Uh, it's a good question. And a couple of people I work with have kind of asked me my goals and stuff. And uh, I've never been a, a goal type of guy. I have more of a, of a mindset going into the tournament that mm -hmm. I want to keep throughout the rounds. And, and really for me, that's, that's just competing on the level that I can compete at. I know that these players are <clears throat> really grinding out being on the road, playing these huge tournaments. I don't, I don't expect myself to go in there and just be like right up on top. Like I, I can never in my, I'm not going to be that type of person that expects that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so going into the tournament back in 2010, I also had no chance at, in the world to come out with a win being 18 years old. I had never won an A tier at the time and going into the tournament, then I just had a mindset of being competitive and staying within my game and if somebody does something that is like outrageous then you just let them do their thing and really i just want to play my game for what i know what my game is and uh not worry about what the other competition is doing around me gotcha and now we're we're 13 years from when you did win your first uscgc can you kind of talk to us about what life was like on the tour back then uh one of the coolest videos or kind of series you had back in the day was a non-stop disc golf tour Awesome editing, awesome music in the background. The Casey Wide Open is still one of my favorite final nines to watch. Um, can you kind of talk to us about what the tour life is like nowadays from you seeing it from the outside in versus when you were actually grinding that every single week you're playing a different event, whether it was a C tier or a major? Yeah, and it's so much different now. It's it's actually kind of crazy because, number one, the amount of fans that are at tournaments nowadays are just like, Un unbelievable i would never have thought that it got to this level you know even five to ten years ago mm -hmm. and then i used to play 40 ish tournaments a year and that just is not happening for a lot of these players i think that they're i don't know how many tournaments calvin's played calvin or eagle or like any of the other top pros but um i would think it's somewhere in 20 to 25 but I remember the top pros back then were playing 35 to 40 tournaments a year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were eight years. And then they just had the national tour. There was no pro tour. Um, unbelievable. They didn't have a pro tour back then. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was maybe once a month national tour, a lot of A tiers. And then you would play a lot of B tiers, which that doesn't exist anymore to where top pros are like playing any type of two day B tier. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of three to four day tournaments, three to four day tournaments where you need to be there on a Monday or Tuesday to practice because it's starting on Thursday and you're, you're 
grinding it out. It's a lot of traveling. I used to put uh, 50 to 60,000 miles on my car for 10 years straight. I've driven and been to every single state in the U.S. because I would be done on Sunday after a tournament and just drive straight to the next one and be practicing on Monday. That's wow. Wild. Yeah, I'm just, just thinking about off. that, especially the tour being a little bit more spread out last year compared to probably what it is now. So, yeah, it's it's just so much. It's a lot of travel. I mean, it's the closest thing I could compare it to is like, you know, being in a band where you just have a tour of back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And it's just is a, is a grind of getting there, going through the same motions, staying at somebody's house that you may or may not know. <laughs> and practicing the course there was no live coverage too right so you like showed up to lead card national tour and you would maybe have some of the local club guys there and you're playing for a national tour championship you know and and that's that's not how it is anymore you have uh a thousand to four thousand spectators that show up for Mm -hmm. these pro tour or what were silver series events yeah and so you're talking about the touring side of it but let's take it back to USDGC this year compared to 10 years ago. Um, what are the differences? I, did you, you're playing in it. You just arrived there this evening, right? I wish I arrived there this evening. Oh. I hit a bunch of traffic. All right. So I'm now sitting about 30 minutes out. But I'll <laughs> Okay. So, so the point is you haven't seen the course yet and any potential changes that have come. But like, what are the biggest things that you see as changes to Winthrop over all the years from back when you were playing it? Have they, we've watched it evolve, but you playing it has got to be a little bit different. Is it the length? Is it technicality? Is it holes being placed in front? Like, what is it for you that you're like, it's the same or it's way different? I would say I would lean more on the way different side mm-hmm. uh, versus the same. Um, I'm also kind of the USDGC purist where I love original hole one. I love original hole two, original hole three. You know, there's some holes that they've changed that I have, uh, enjoyed the change or I guess you could call update to the hole, whatever it is. Maybe it played a little too easy, mm-hmm. but a majority of the course, as everybody knows, has just gotten way tighter. And I think that, um, you know, I think 2010, they played stroke and distance where if you went any out of bounds at any point, you had to rethrow from your last throw. <clears throat> but I don't I don't know if they have any kind of crazy rules like that this year. <laughs> um, I'm familiar with the layout and all, all, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I just like originality and keeping things like pristine. Right. Like I I wasn't a huge change of like whole seven where they made the triple bamboo or triple mando with the bamboo like mm-hmm. i wasn't huge into that um like they moved whole five's basket you know for i think last year they did that or maybe it was a year before it's not in the original spot it's now like 20 ish feet from the water mm-hmm. so even that kind of small change it's kind of like taking away from the nostalgia of so many usdgc shots yeah i can see that um this event has been called the most prestigious event by players uh i think if i'm probably not quoting perfectly but nate sexton i think he was on record on our show saying he might value now he hasn't won a world title we'll get that out there but i think he said he really holds this so high that he's not sure that a world title would be better now he wants to add it of course and maybe one day he still will but like where do you (laughs) hold the prestigiousness is that a word prestige prestige where do you hold the prestige of this event? 
I think that it holds the prestigious prestigiousness. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you for using the same word. <laughs> uh, because it's been the same location. It's got the same person calling out the names on hole one with Andy Green. It's got the same finishing hole, whether they've moved the basket locations or not. It's got the same hole five, even though that has kind of changed throughout the years just a little bit. But I think because it's been there for so long, that's what carries on the legacy of the course and the legacy of that title, right? Like for professional disc golf, it's the USDGC. And I think, and I understand what Nate is referring to because Worlds has changed so much that it used to be uh, a marathon. It used to be seven rounds or something crazy with a final nine. And now it's it's changed for, I think, the better. Not to say one devalues or one's better than the other, but I think the reason why people feel USDGC is so prestigious is it's a low amount of qualified players. It happens at the end of every single year. It's at the same location. It's got these holes that are iconic and the way that it's promoted and shown off just makes it the best event. Just the best event. We will put that in our title tonight. Will says it is the best event. Uh, um, where else are we at here? Um, I want to jump I, oh, in yeah. for okay, a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Cause I've yeah. got a good, good close so, out. Well, uh, plenty of people still know of your affiliation with prodigy. I'm curious, uh, what is your role at prodigy? What do you kind of do day to day? Uh, at the prodigy uh company yeah I, I do uh uh which i'm a lot of people are very don't even know that i live in georgia even though i've lived there for <laughs> five or six years but I, I moved there about five or six years ago with uh my wife and then we had our son um but my main title there is sales director so i deal with a lot of people who are purchasing from us so that's a that's a very short small version not to go too deep into a lot of the other stuff but um very involved on a, on a lot of different levels and and i love it i love going there i love the people i work with and uh enjoy it well uh just earlier this year we saw the archive come out i know you use that word uh, uh elsewhere in this interview but uh yeah. the mid-range <laughs> uh any other kind of cool things in the work at Prodigy that you want to share, or is uh, is anything uh, under tight we've wraps? We've got some re we've got some really cool things that are very close to being announced. I can't you know can't just pop it out there on here. <laughs> oh, no, you I, can I though. You could. We've it, we've <laughs> we've had it happen on accident before. We capitalize on it. I'll tell you that much. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you must. I hope I hope you do. Yeah. Um, no, but we're we're always working on something. Disc golf is you know rising tide raises all ships in disc golf. Whether it's Isaac winning worlds, uh, an exciting time just to be in disc golf or, you know, disc golf being on ESPN. I think that the sport itself is just growing as a whole, that everybody is seeing uh, a nice benefit and just more eyeballs, more people in the game, more people playing, buying discs. Like that's, uh, that's, I think what everybody has as a benefit right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just found some, I went into the archive. I don't know how hey, clear look it's at that. I still have that shirt. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is my so now 13 year old, just to put it in perspective at awesome. uh, Maple Hill. 
So back when it was probably wow. the Vibram open. So that's a sweet hat in the back too. <laughs> what? There's a hat. I don't know. A sweet hat disc golf. Oh, there you go. Adam. So there you go. <laughs> I, I literally, nice. if if I looked off during your interview just a little bit, it's because I was scrolling through 10 years of photos on my phone. Oh boy. I was like, I gotta find it. So there it was. Nice. I wasn't lying. When I introed him, I said, it's the kid, like the guy you'd bring over your kids to get a picture with. He was this guy, just like all the best in the world of our time. He so still is. He, well, yeah. Well, he's still a great guy. He says he's only 960 now. I don't know. But no. <laughs> I think Matt, I think he smokes you in a round. <laughs> there was no rating. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. There was no rating. Exactly. I'm just messing around. I've been around. saying that for years now. Ben, I know you said you had a question. Yeah, I just got a question. Intern Ben here. So, um... <laughs> You know, as you say, the the lead level is getting crazier. Just for any amateurs, pros, do you have any, I guess, advice if you were to go back with the whole shoulder thing? Anything to prevent it? Maybe work out or less load? Just like any any advice in that realm that you know could help uh, the future disc golfers. It's a great question, and I'm glad that you asked too, because there's a lot of really young disc golfers out there that want to play disc golf for their career. I think that's, uh, it's becoming by vi- a viable option. And, um, if I had to go back to tell myself to do something, it would be to, uh, really consider taking true time off. Um, there's a lot of players who live that there's no off season. And, uh, if you want to live in that, that realm, I think you should use it for, um, training flexibility, uh, light weight training, like not heavy, but more of just building out and strengthening ligaments and your shoulder is the biggest thing that obviously that's kind of, kind of obvious, I would say, but, um, just building strength overall, not just massive, but flexibility goes a long way and, uh, just taking time off from using it. I use, you know, I, I specifically remember throwing a thousand putts a day you know, in the off season and uh, it's really not needed in December and early January. I think taking time off can go a really long way mentally and physically and, you know, find somebody that you can, I guess, can do some, uh, can give you some advice on long-term being an athlete. I think, uh, you know, being healthy goes a really long way, but it's always good to get advice from somebody who has done it or is a professional at doing it. Great answer. I want to quickly jump kind of back to the height of your career. Uh, actually, Will, one of my favorite memories, um, I loved watching you play back in the, when I first got into the sport, which was about 2012, 2013. Um, I think I had just gotten a Twitter around then and it was right after the week of MVP open prodigy had just relied the 300 series of the M threes, the M fours, and you were, you're pretty much asking people like, Hey, hit me up on Twitter. Ask, ask me a question, ask me anything kind of thing. And I remember I tweeted at you and you tweeted right back probably 10 minutes later. And I was like, Oh my God, disc golf is awesome. Like I just, Nick has never been the same. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I, I have tried and failed very miserably on imitating your form. And that's pretty much the root of where my question is going back in kind of the height of your career. I, I would argue with anyone that you had the best backhand throwing form when it comes to accuracy and power all in one. And you also came up in a time where it wasn't the YouTube era. Now all these players have, you know, kind of the videos to watch of you playing back in 2012, 2013, but you didn't have that from the generation that was in front of you. Where did your style of gameplay kind of come into effect? How did you develop it? <clears throat> that's a, 
good question too, because there wasn't a ton of, um, I guess, uh, there wasn't actually a lot of youth in disc golf whenever I started traveling. Um, somebody that I played with a lot and, and looked up to for a little bit was Nico. He was somebody that way back, like even, you know, we, you got, I know you guys are saying like, I'm way back. He, he's way, <laughs> way back and, and still around. And, and, you know, I think that there's definitely something to say about, you know, him being player of the year in 2008, USDGC champion 2009. and. Uh, we traveled and, you know, he showed me the, the competitive side of being like, just wanting to win, you know, everybody knows his passion for disc golf and I've seen it, you know, firsthand. And, you know, obviously I've played against Paul since 2007, 2008. And uh, just being and visually seeing professional disc golf on a level that's played I don't know how else to say it besides just extremely competitively just goes such a long way. And uh, there were some local players, of course, in Knoxville when I was growing up that really kind of gave me a visual of what it was like to throw a disc 400 feet, throw a disc 500 feet. But to watch somebody score, to throw different types of shots, to make long putts, like what it's like to prepare for an event, like, um, you know, it's, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, maybe away from what, nope, you, keep it going. what you really asked me. Keep but, it going. Um, I mean, there's, I, I, in a way, I always give the advice to younger players, really learn as much as you can from the top players, but you have to be able to make your own game eventually. You're not going to be able to copy and repeat every single thing that Calvin Eagle Simon does eventually you're going to have to overcome the fear of playing with your disc golf idol and beat them on the course. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be the number one player and they talk about this in, in basketball and baseball all the time, because they look up the players and, you know, LeBron's been in the league from people's dads to their kids that are coming in the league. And they're like, yeah, I used to run around here and now I'm playing up against LeBron James, but now you have to realize you have to go up against the player you looked up to the mm -hmm. most. And, uh, I'll never forget, uh, it was 2006 Memorial. I flew out there and played, inter my dad and I flew out there. I played intermediate, got fourth place or fifth place. And I remember Ken Climo putting on a basket. And, and I remember going out of my way. And if you've ever been to Vista, everything's mm -hmm. out of your way because you have to walk all the way around the, the creek that runs through the whole course. And I remember walking up to him and saying, hey, Ken, my name's Will. And that's all I said. I was like a 13-year-old kid and just walked away. I didn't know what else to say. But I watched him on, I was like, hey, I'm Will. And he's like, cool. <laughs> Savage. But I just had to, like, as a, as a kid, like, I watched him growing up. Like, I didn't watch him live disc golf like people can now. Right. He wasn't on YouTube. But I watched a VHS on repeat probably 20 times a day. And that's, like, what I did. And then I would watch uh, Steve Brinster from the 2005 Marshall Street Open. Yes. Hell yeah. How about that one? Yeah, uh, we love that. the castle hole. Oh yeah. Yep. We love that. Yeah. There's some, yeah, there's some really good throwbacks and it wasn't necessarily one person that said, Hey, Will, let's work on your form or something along those lines. Like I played and I would want to throw it further. And then I would watch people that could throw it further and say, it is possible. It is possible to make longer putts. It is possible to throw it harder. And then you really learn to score and you learn, you know, what it's like to, get seven birdies in a row in that mental side of, okay, well, here comes the eighth one. I've never birdied eight holes in a row. And then you, 
and then you either part or bogey it or something like that always that <laughs> never never ends up to yeah. fail but yeah you so know, relatable ex, 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 yeah and like ex, experience just goes a really really long way too and wow. a lot of the a lot of the reason why i play smaller tournaments is just to keep that going like you can lose that experience at the same time as much as you have it because the tournament atmosphere just the mental side of okay you get one shot a hole you're not going to get a rethrow you're not going to get a reput you have to go through your routine and and this counts like this is this is for money now and that experience side winning small c tiers or winning small b tiers goes a really long way you can look at people like chris dickerson used to you know he's he's had the most amount of wins i think from whatever the stat is he's got a lot of c tier b tier wins and then he came up and came up fast because he had the experience of just winning mm-hmm. not necessarily the experience at this high level but the experience of taking it down and scoring and knowing how maybe it's a a one on one where you have to make the right decision or wrong decision and so a lot of experience and um not necessarily do you need to be the strongest fastest farthest thrower in the world but you can show up and still beat anybody on any given day evan what's the answer we see you off camera looking uh the most i see i wasn't exactly sure uh where that was going to be how many wins he has uh, he definitely has won a lot. I mean, if we just went like MPO, C tier wins, maybe he had the record. I something in my mind says like he had the most wins in a row or C tier wins in a row. I something's there. I Doesn't don't know. Does Statman right have like a power computer? Can't you just type that in? Yeah. It's like keywords, I, Will's keywords, but then all of a sudden, I'll, bam. I'll go look at yeah. uh, Chris's profile and see what I'll look at. You're but, making uh, me do too yeah, much, and, Matt. And, and, yeah, exactly. that's just an example of just you know yeah. kids growing up and wanting to play disc golf for their life like mm-hmm. look if you're 13 14 years old and you're nearly winning advance at every single tournament just move up and play pro get the experience of playing with the best players in your town okay and if you and if you want to be the best player in the world you can you can idolize anybody i think that's great to do but there comes a time where it becomes your form it's not just watching and mimicking what everybody else is doing. It becomes yep. your own game. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is interesting insight. And my kids are watching upstairs in my living room. They always watch the show. And I'm sure my son Hunter's like, dad, definitely. And I don't hold him back. But this year he won multiple B tier in MA2. And he's like, dad, I want to play MA1. And I'm like, cool, go do it. So 13, he's like, I want to start competing in MA1. To your point, I can see the advantage of it. And I've always said it too. Like if you feel like you could dabble in a division, maybe give it a try. It'll, it'll boost your game. So I'm taking that one and running with that one. Um, so this is a somewhat personal question, but how's your son doing? I mean, that made news for a little bit and you weren't a touring player at that time. And I feel like I remember the disc golf community came together with a substantial financial gift of support. And how's your son doing? He's doing really good. He's going to be out at USDGC this week. He'll awesome. be uh, kind of kind of far away from where people are playing because he loves to run around and mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> loves to loves to be loud. But um, I love uh, if it wasn't for him, I could see myself just never on social media. To be honest, like I just <laughs> I love posting videos and pictures of him. Like it's just it's just the best. And you know, for those that do have a have a kid, they just uh, as as you do. Or you know, I don't know if everybody else does. So nope. Excuse me for that. <laughs> just, but, so. just me and you, Will, here tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's another level. I mean, it's not it's not anywhere near you know having and being a dad and 
teaching somebody how to do something and then they do it or they learn how to do mm-hmm. it is, is is far and beyond any disc golf uh whatever you want to call it title yeah. you could ever yeah. receive it's uh it's been amazing and, and it's been a journey we're very happy and couldn't be more uh hashtag blessed for uh where we where we have ended up now and the disc golf community has was was amazing have always been amazing and it's always it's always funny being out there and people are like hey you're liam it's like oh cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely and uh absolutely yeah. and now i have another excuse for why i'm not winning so many events lately and exactly. my rating is as low look if will shoestrick's rating kids, can be yeah. 964 I can be like 920 and go, you know, what's a rating? And yeah. all my kids, I'm investing it back into them and they're starting to beat me now, which is exactly. excellent. So uh, I got kind yeah. of one when it goes to um, going from touring full time, your disc golf career, the 2015, kind of 2016, 2017 season, then moving to a larger role at Prodigy. Is that originally kind of how you wanted not, not maybe not timeline wise, you know, obviously you want to play the best you can for the most amount of years, whatever, but kind of going from being a player and then working in disc golf, has that always been something in the back of your mind that, yes, this is what I want to do? Um, <clears throat> I think that I've, I've, I've just been very fortunate in my life to stay on this path. And um, I was telling somebody the other day, it's really just been, been god's plan to keep me in this sport for since i was 13 it's given me this this outlet that i loved playing organized baseball organized basketball and when i got to being 13 and you get into high school unless you're six foot tall Mm -hmm. or just blessed with strength you don't get an outlet anymore Mm -hmm. and i really see disc golf where i where i came from and where disc golf i think is taking off is giving kids an outlet that they don't have they don't have organized sports when they get into high school unless you're in the school and disc golf is such a low barrier that the parent can buy a a ten dollar disc and take them to go play for free down the road that there's nothing that you can do for free anymore everything costs money Mm -hmm. i'm surprised they don't charge me to sit at the gas station right now while i'm talking (laughs) to you guys on the phone and i and i just send us the bill see disc golf yeah, yeah, I just I just see disc golf as where I was as a really young teen growing up, and I never got anything bad, luckily. But there's a lot of kids who you know have uh, idle hands and they they don't know what to do. They want to do something active, and I really see disc golf as hopefully fitting into that realm. Like I think that there's a lot of schools putting in into uh, putting disc golf into their schools. I'm actually installing permanent baskets at every single Dalton public school, which there's 10 public schools wow. and we're planning to do um, organized disc golf within the Dalton public school system within the next couple months. And I really think it's going to be a, a great, a great thing for any kid. Like it, it could save, it, it has already saved lives, but I think it's getting to that level where it's like a viable long-term thing that kids can do. That is such low barrier entry and to get into and to answer a question about, has this always been my plan? No, I, I almost have just kind of followed where I've kind of been called to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always kind of go back in my own brain because like, I don't, I don't personally love where social media has gotten to as a, as everything, you know, culture has brought social media. Like, I don't like to talk about myself a lot. I don't like to post and say, Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. But mm-hmm. there's, videos and posts and VHSs that I used to watch that changed my life. And 
I want to change other people's lives by teaching them to play disc golf. And if I can make a 15 minute video that's get 700,000 views and they love disc golf more than they did yesterday, then I've done my part in helping improve somebody's life just by getting better at throwing a Frisbee down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of how I look at my calling in disc golf, not necessarily only by teaching, but getting the youth into playing how I did and teaching people to play, whether it's, you know, for me, it's playing disc golf the right way. People will enjoy it more. And uh, that's kind of where I have just always like gone with it because I've been in it for so long and I am very fortunate to be with Prodigy and have this long-term job that I also love and can give back and really give what was given to me when I was really young. Mm -hmm. So my question, I was just actually Googling it because I wanted to see if it was still a thing, but you can just answer it for me. Disc golf instruction. That was actually a big thing for a while. Uh, I remember really trying to promote it. I was organizing kids disc golf, the organization running national titles, and you were a sponsor supporter of that. And is that, I was just Googling it. Is that still a thing I can find and subscribe to? It's, it's not around anymore. Okay. It was, uh, I would love to be able to bring it back up, but I I have to choose where my time Mm -hmm. is at right now. It's like, I've got, my job. I've got my son. Do I want to play disc golf and get better at it? Or do I want to go make video content and then deal with like membership users for disc golf instruction? It's kind of like, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of dial it back a little bit. And I'm, you know, my wife knows I love to overextend and open up new projects. As oh much no, as I can. me love too. To <laughs> I just love to, I, I love to do it. It's like, what do you want to do? You want to redo the barn in the back of the house? Okay. Yeah, man. <sighs> so relatable my wife is probably watching with my kids upstairs pound the floor honey if you agree (laughs) i'll hear in a minute that we have this conversation all the time if i wasn't doing the podcast or other initiatives it would be something else it's it can't just be nothing yeah yeah i just love you know i i love talking about disc golf i love you know i i could see myself doing a podcast talking about disc golf and i go on these tangents of like yeah i'm gonna do it you know i built i built a fence in my backyard during during covid built my whole privacy fence and kind of got into that side of things and it's like i I love to just do projects yes nice and you stepped back and you smiled and said i built a fence and it just felt so good i know everybody knows whenever they come over i have to let them know hey (laughs) you know that fence right there is pretty nice right that is nice (laughs) that is nice well uh did we miss anything is there anything else i know you're still traveling so did we miss anything you want to cover not that I can really think of. I mean, All right. I, <laughs> is that the, uh, that's like the Grammy. I guess, yeah, I guess we're like sending you off, uh, you know, I guess so. <laughs> we missed the intro, you know, so we got to yeah. send them off in I, style, but I'll, we just have a little bit. Go I'll, ahead. I'll ask you kind of one final thing on my side. What do you feel like is your greatest achievement that you've ever had in disc golf? Man, greatest achievement that I have ever had that's a that's a good question. I mean, I would like to I would like to be so deep to say it's not even winning a tournament. Yeah. But I would say it's three time U.S. title. It's got to be. Are you? It's got to be biggest achievement. Are you wearing the rings right now? Do you just walk around wearing your USDGC rings? You know, like, hey, I'm that guy. <laughs> shows how old. Shows how old. Uh, how long ago I won them because they don't fit on my fingers anymore. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to you this weekend for the USCGC, and then also the skins match. Very excited to see that go on. 
Um, very, very excited to see that and to see you back out there. Going to be an awesome thing. So best of luck to you. Safe travels, Will. We're sending you off. All right. We <laughs> love it, guys. dude. And seriously, dude. you're inspiring everything, you know, with all the part two stuff and everything else. You're, you know, you're talking about how you've come to the place you are now in disc golf. And it's, it's inspiring. This music, this music is really I told you. I've been on a kick. September 22nd, September 21st. All shoe videos. I ain't lying. <laughs> All right. With that. All right. I'll send you some classics. There you go. <laughs> we'll see you out there, Will. Peace out. All right. Everybody, Will Shoestring. Yeah, like, I feel like that was the best intro. I feel like I, uh, if you've ever watched the beginning of Remember the Titans, that's what I'm thinking. This sounds like very reminiscent of like everyone's walking and they're like, you know, getting ready for the funeral that's this, happening. Like this is this and, is how uh, the Nick and Macho ends. We all just start hugging and be like, it's been a great run, y'all. <laughs> we did it. We changed the world. And it we did like it. I'm telling you, dude, you just lay music out there as you talk and you just start like that's our whole show should just have some sort of music going on in the back. Do you not feel inspired? Like actually yeah, listen dude, to I'm ready like, to go. I just want to tell bugs. people I'm about to do a thousand be bugs, somebody. Yeah. Be somebody. Well, I got I got a good stat, which okay. I do have something about Chris Dickerson, but I want to say something first. All right. Will was talking about being the number one back in I think 2013 was the year. I PDGA had their history, but Stat Mando. We've run official rankings all the way back to the start of 2006. Uh, Will was most recently the number one player in the world uh, in 2012. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, 2013. Which is what uh, I said. Yep, that was the same year as the PDGA. We had him as the part of that year. Uh, he is the fourth most recent unique number one player in the world in MPO. Fourth most recent. That's crazy. Yeah. Fourth most recent. And you can easily guess the other three. Uh, it, and to remind people, wow. like the Stat, Stat Mando official rankings Ooh. are a very stable system meant to be like uh, Paul, official Ricky, type. Eagle, Calvin. Nope. Paul, Ricky, Calvin. Oh. Paul, Ricky, Eagle Calvin. has never been number one in the world in Stat Mando All official. Right. All right. Paul, Ricky, uh, Which again, Calvin. it's a stable system. Eagle's playing fantastic lately, but doesn't have the, the sheer number of events at the top that okay. Calvin has. And, and also Eagle. Only well, that's still a an that's a, that still is a crazy is stat. A, yeah, it's a wind heavy what system. What does stable system so, mean? <laughs> it means it doesn't have a lot of uh it doesn't change a lot week to week. It's not like, oh, you won an event, oh, you're the number one. It's it's really meant to be two who years, is the right? best through yeah. Uh it's a hundred and four weeks. Uh that's two years, twenty-four months. Uh and it, it does degrade over time. So it cares about your uh most recent events the most, but it it takes in 20 events it's really meant to uh like gotcha. golf does really show yeah. who the number one is and and that's i i mean i obviously bias but i think that is the the best type of world ranking to have is something yeah. that is more stable to see it so you can have really cool longevity stats because of this which to say that will is the fourth most recent unique number one uh, is incredible and really shows you the dominance of ricky and paul for a decade uh until calvin didn't get it until this year mm -hmm. um so very cool uh and uh nico was the number one uh player in the world uh or the i don't know actually who was right before will was because it's i could look back and see the week by week but i, I just like it was probably winner. ken climo no it was uh <laughs> dave nico, yeah. nico so nico nate doss uh, was nate doss he had to have been at one point yeah, Nate. So Nate, I I did it just since 2010, just yeah. to kind of see that recency. Yeah. Uh, the Nate modern Doss, era. The modern yeah. era. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> I'm said not yes. saying that. He said yes. <laughs> uh, I said goodness, not oh. yes. <laughs> All right. Nate Doss was as most recent as the 43rd week of 2011. 
uh, Nico was as most recent as the twenty uh, the twentieth week of twenty twelve. Which actually, I'm, I'm on a little tangent here. I'm going to continue it up for a quick second. Uh, when Nate Doss uh, let up the number one ranking in twenty eleven, uh, you know what? I have this on another one, so I want to look it up because it is that cool. Give me a second. <laughs> While it, you're doing that, Ben, can you just put up the phone number for us? Like, yeah. do not call. We're not giving away a prize. I was going to call. It's okay. Just well, I guess I'll just ignore it. So. We're just going to ignore if you call. Text us at this number. Text us your topic. If there's something we find interesting, we'll call you. We'll bring you on the show. There you go. Nice. All right, back to you. Adam. All right, so so Nate Doss was the number one in the 43rd week of 2011. Nico takes it from him. Then in uh, mid-early 2012, Paul McBeth takes it. Then Will takes it for a little bit in 2012. Ricky earns it back later in 2012. Will gets it back in 2013. Ricky gets it back later in 2013 and then Paul gets it back towards the end of 2013. So it was like this crazy kind of uh, obviously transition time. Yeah. Paul had a, yeah, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm in 2016. Oh, oh, 2016, about middle end of the year. Ricky took it for one week and then Paul got it back. Really? Uh, And then Ricky got it probably after worlds uh, in week 38 of 2016. So that makes sense. uh, Cool to see the history. The second stat I had is, uh, Chris Dickerson is currently on a 21 event uh, win streak at B and C tiers. Uh, so obviously <laughs> that was kind of a yeah. cherry pick in there and a tour level player playing B and C tiers probably is going to win a lot. Um, I also looked up the most wins since the beginning of 2014, which was when Chris Dickerson's first started playing MPO and he has 146 singles wins. That's the most of anyone. Uh, in MPO uh, in that time frame, the next closest is Scott Withers, just barely behind with 137. <laughs> so I, it, there are other stats in there. If you look through his history, the amount of W's are insane. I probably could check like win percentage too. Yeah, a lot of other things, but uh, yeah, Chris uh, dominates locally. And hey, Nick, like a month ago, you were saying the advice you got from Paul Macbeth. Uh-huh. You would always say win regionally uh-huh. uh, before you go on tour. Will kind that of brought that mentality. up tonight as well. Will says the same exact yep. thing, unprovoked, on his yep. own, uh, yep. for advice. So cool exactly. to see if both Paul Macbeth and Will Schustick are saying it. I uh, I'm going to take that advice. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm not needing to take that advice because I'm no, I mean, yeah, Evan, start winning locally. We'll but, get your uh, we'll get you out on yeah. the road. I'll I'll get that win number one. I'll get that uh, row added to my PDGA profile, and then uh, I'll debate moving up to MA one after that. But no, I'll stick in MA two for the time being. Smart. Smart, smart. Locally, MA2. I'm not yeah. going to go on tour in MA2 yet either. So, you sh- you, yeah. So, Dude, yeah. there should be like an awesome AM1 tour. Just, <laughs> I know there's, you know, a couple big, big tournaments for MA1, but imagine having like a legitimate MA1 tour. How many people would actually do that? Of just touring around? I mean, how do you, how do you justify it money wise? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. That's the, the, you can't. Disc, right? disc golf's not in that place where like, like once you're good enough, you really jump up to pro. There's yeah. not really a big incentive right. to be Re- MA1. Riddle me this. kind of stay for maybe a year. Is it is it the Corn Ferry Tour or the Web.com Tour? What What is it actually? Do we know? Corn Ferry. I think it was Web.com. I think it's, yeah. Is it Corn, Corn Ferry? Ferry? Like that's name. what the most recent. Web.com. Corn Ferry. That must have been in like or the, 2006 or something. I don't know. I just feel like that it sounded familiar. But the Corn Ferry Tour, if someone wins a Corn Ferry Tour event, do they win money? Course. And if they I do, how much money? Very like, certain they I'm, do. I'm pretty I'm sure they so, still make money. Yeah, I'm more so asking the chat this. Like, what if someone wins a Corn Ferry Tour event? How much money do they make off of it? Like, I'm just curious of like how much different, how yeah, how different is it than 
an actual PGA event. Oh, like they're a major saying it's an AM tour. What's that? Someone just said there's no money as is, is an in the tour. corn ferry tour. There's no money in it. That's crazy. People are just because I'm genuinely curious. Like, is the corn ferry tour what we want our silver events to be? But if it's no money involved in it, I'm just there's I'm, a career, I'm, I'm looking curious. at the Wikipedia page yeah. right now. There's a career money leaders. Yeah, it, Darren it, Styles has oh. two million dollars earned yeah, on the corn ferry tour. Yeah, there's no mm-hmm. way. There is money. I was about to say, like, okay. you can't justify yeah. people not getting paid on the corn ferry tour. Holy crap. <laughs> But it's also not updated since 2018. And, for that. and, and, and the since 2019, it's just points. Oh, I'm a little confused. I, no, they do pay. I'm seeing it now. Like there, there there's a Ohio State or a, I don't know National we, Children's Hospital Championship okay. has a purse of 1.5 million dollars, and it got paid out. So I don't know when that was, but I just googled it. So Corn Fury Tour does get paid. Well, there you go. So we opened up the phone lines. We got a whole bunch of good ideas that came in. But we welcome in friend of the show, longtime chatter. Longtime, honestly, debater. Honestly. Is it Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Oh, no. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> right it me. I was like, oh, it's Daniel. Because you always say Daniel from Texas on every time you, yeah. you text us. You, like, so you, but I didn't do it this time. No, yeah, I just, I I, right, right when Matt was saying it, I was like, oh, it's got to be Daniel. It's just, it's got to be. Yeah. there. I had like three choices of like Daniel, Todd, Ken. Daniel has roasted wow. each yeah. and every one of us at least once in the chat. No, no. No, you do. All respectively no so. He's a roast. Well, all right. I'm, I'm curious him behind the well, scenes. Everyone, to I'm everybody sorry. listening no, right no, now, no. we got Daniel, who is one of our moderators and lawyer out of Texas, correct? That's correct, sir. Awesome. All right. What is your subject that you're bringing to the show tonight? He wants to play along. Uh, okay. Yeah, I wanted to do a little USDGC preview and specifically the pop, lock, and drop. Oh, oh all right. You know what's funny is I was go. like, what are we doing for topics? And I was like, we should get our picks in. But this is perfect. <laughs> and we're, we're, since Daniel asked for it, we're doing a pop, we're doing a lock, and we're dropping someone. All right. We're so hurting we, things. Say we Daniel hurting told feelings. us so. <laughs> Daniel told us to do it, and I love doing it. We're dropping someone this week. All right. All right, well, Daniel, you brought it up. Do you have where do we want to do start? You have your pick for let's who's your pop off player? We'll, we'll oh, do the lock. We'll do pop off, then the lock, and then who we're dropping. All right. So for new listeners, the pop is the overperformer, and I'm going to go with Chris Clemens. Ooh, okay. Chris been on a little bit of a tear lately. We've been seeing his name a lot. Man. All right, I gotta find. We're I think all like trying good, to get prepared right now. Course. I'm trying to look yes. for the registration. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to believe previous USDGC winners will be in there, so that one's not really too much of a question. It, sorry, I, I miss. Are we doing the pop, pop or the lock? Pop we're, pop, right we're popping we're doing off pop right first. Now. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, go ahead if you're ready. Whoever's ready, uh, I, I'm gonna go for it. You know, uh, Mr. Dark Horse Man himself. I just Brody Smith, his average isn't great. Uh, it, it, by isn't great, I believe it's in like the low 40s, which I mean, like it, it sounds worse than it is. Like average is average. Uh, but it, just something about Winthrop, it, he seems like he's the type of person who uh, likes the um, the difficult difficulty of Winthrop. You know, like he wants that in disc golf. So I think his mind's gonna be a little bit better. Okay. I do 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 do. I can't for some reason scroll 
fully left or right on this that I'm looking at trying to figure Man, out. Y'all should have done this ahead of time because uh, I've been whooping well, your butts and I actually looked this up ahead of time yeah, and get my pick. Well, that's well, the thing because you can look. I was you just have a database say. that tells you like, oh, this person <laughs> averages 80th. We're just guessing. That's what we I was just no going to say. There are tools on statmanda.com for you to use. You don't need okay. We do it last minute. All right, I'll, I'll go. Here's my pop. I'm going with Salad Schultz, my boy. He, he's, he's nasty. Um, he's going to do great there. All right, I've got mine too. Nate Sexton. Okay. I've got mine. Right. That was a good pick. I've got mine because it is the 10 year anniversary of my guy winning this oh, event. Oh, no. Steve no. Brinster. That's you want to know why? Because no. if Steve picks up a top he... 10, he's going to get me so many points. <laughs> so, Steve Brinster. He doesn't even need a top 10. Though? Does it... Nick, huh? no, he, yeah, he, he played Worlds, so he, elite, right? So yeah. he at least has one finish. He's not like a um, a Manabu who had a, a you know null or whatever yeah. uh, undefined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to go Steve Brinster. I'm like, that's such a good pick. His yep. average is 134th on the season. My man, uh, you, no matter what, I'm automatically get 40. No matter what, I'm getting requirement. Maybe, maybe let's say this. Let's say he's got to get t- how many people are in this? is over the field size, then. There's 103 people comes the field size. All right. There's 103 people. So, so what his do you, average is 103rd. That's, that's what I you want to do that. I was going to say, he has, I, I would say for points wise, like he has to get 80th or better. Like I'll give you guys 20 well, spots. We can do that. Yeah. I think that's fair too. What do you guys think? Are we all in agreement. Awesome. If Steve Evan Brinster's feels good about it, then I'm if good. Yeah, if they're I, average, I really and let's say so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to do one for yeah. It's just, it's just saying that if your average is higher, as in worse, yeah, than 80th, it becomes okay. an 80th average. Okay. Cool. And and we could uh, Ben, you wanted to use Manabu at Deglo. It would have been the same thing. His, right. He didn't have an average finish, so it becomes 80th. I think that's a fair idea, Nick. Uh, <laughs> and I still think Steve Brinster is a good pick with that. Okay. Heck yeah. So that's pop. Um, where are we going next Evan write these down uh, I will just watch back on the video because right. I already forget <laughs> alright Daniel who's your lock who's winning USCGC this week and then, specifically we're on MPO I, I, I want to stop yeah. for a second like I, I know USDGC is MPO only I do think it's right to do throw pink as well unless we, we wanted to of do course it we are. we're doing after. throw pink after okay I just want to be clear with that we'll do all USCGC first, and then we'll throw pink. It's not even a major event. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going. No, okay, yeah, we're doing we'll MPO do first. Go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. Uh, who's going to win MPO or USDGC? My lock is Dannon Burr. He's going to win, oh, and Mer- he is Wait, how do you going say that? to win Player of the Year. How do you say Ooh. that, Daniel? <laughs> Again. Gannon Burr. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, like I was afraid to pick him. Uh, I'm a huge fan now. He lived with me for two weeks. It's hard not to be a fan. Um, and I was a fan before, but it's just a different level now, but it's still hard for me to pick him. I think he can win it. The odds, uh, in my mind, I'm going to go out on a little bit more of a limb here. And this is who he was contending with last year. Niklas Antilla. Ooh, I used to always pick Niklas. He plays well at majors. It seems for some reason, and he knows it. And he did so well last year as a chance. So we'll see. That's my pick for win. Benny boy. Uh, all right. I'll go ahead while Ben yeah, thinks. Go ahead, Evan. Right. I'm this still is looking. also lock picks. Just to be clear, there is a point structure. So winning is the best. Yes. Uh, yep. You want to yeah. pick someone who you think is going to finish in the top. And that's where I'm going with this pick of Ricky Wysocki. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say he's going to win because it's been that monkey on his back since yeah. 2017. Yeah. But his worst finish 
in majors since 2015, which has got to be like 40 something majors or whatever. I, I'll check in a second after I finish talking. His worst finish is 12th. Uh, that is good. Um, that gets you no points in lock like it did mm-hmm. when I picked him for Worlds, and I'm doing the same pick here. But I want to be clear. I think he's getting a top 10 and getting points. So I'm going Ricky. All right. I, you know, it's funny enough. I almost had Ricky to win this because I have two players that I'm thinking of right now. It's Ricky, and I think this is when I see Simon take down the United States this golf championship. So I'm going with Simon Lazard. Why would you curse him like that? No. Uh, 26 events for Waisaki since 2015, just to update my saying 40. I'm going Simon. Ben? Uh, I'm going to go. Oh, I honestly forgot. Oh, Calvin. I was going to say, dang, no recency bias. No one picked Matty O. I've never picked Calvin in my life, so this is my first time trying it. Um, We'll see how it goes. This is my first time trying it. (laughs) Have fun with that (laughs) one. I've tried it a few times. for the first time. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, You'll you'll be heartbroken, I'm sure. You'll be like, dude, you you were so close. you Calvin, right? Yeah, I have. But then I I got too confident and like, he's the man. Um, Okay, he is the man, but he just needs to win more. All right, going to drop. I was trying to talk a little more to get mine out of the way. Uh, Dan, Dan Yule, who do you think? I hate to do this to it. But uh, Isaac Robinson. <laughs> Don't you hate drop. it? And I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> See, I'm you sorry. hate it. He's just an it. <laughs> it's like, we should make a rule yeah. with drops. You cannot apologize. <laughs> you just have to. <laughs> you just have to be savage about it. You just just say it. Yep. Um, but okay, and guys, Isaac. We really got to watch. We really got to watch Calvin, Isaac, and Gannon, because those are your three player of the year candidates. So yeah. this is a big one, boys. It, it is a big one. Is a I agree big one. there. No doubt. Player of the year, man. All right, man. Who are you dropping? Oh my goodness. Um, I was debating because this is the opposite. As everyone knows, I want to pick somebody who's been playing pretty good. Who's going to not play good. So I'm like trying to stay up near the top here. Um, Oh my goodness. Ezra Aderhold has performed good here over the years. I don't know what his performance is averaging this year. Uh, Ezra Robinson. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. This, right. is, this is why we can't be friends. Of it's recency bias of because he's been playing good recently, so I don't know what his average is, so I feel bad. If his average is like 30, that means I'm really saying he's going to do bad. But His average is honestly pretty good, I think. So yeah. He, he think is in this event, decent, right? I think it's a decent pick. He is in this event, right? He should be. I just realized no that. Idea. All right. All right. This, uh, I honestly don't know where I'm going to go. I... This is random. I feel like he's been doing sneakily good this year. And, uh, he, but he's so good at just landing, landing. I don't know. Evan Scott. I'm going Evan Scott. It's, it might, I have no idea. This is just a complete whim. Ooh. I have no idea where he's averaging. And yeah, because if he's averaging low, then that's a horrible thing. Well, let's say I don't have a stat, no. man. No, that's what you want. You want them to average. Sorry, it's back Opposite. and forth. Yeah. You want them to I average you good and then play bad. Exactly. It's, it's, it's weird because low can mean <laughs> yeah. both. And it's, yeah, so it's I, I think he's averaging like 30. So I think he finishes. I don't know. We'll go see. ahead. Did, did you do your? You did no, your I got to do mine right now. This, okay, go ahead. This one I think is going to bite me in the butt, but I'm going to say goose. <laughs> <laughs> he was on my short list too yep. that's a good one you and I, like, we were like right on with everything tonight yeah. uh well no because simon was on my short list for the drop as oh, well okay gotcha uh, he finished 59th last year 
Uh, Cole Radalin, I mentioned that he lost to Schuster in 2021. He yep. finished 85th last year. He's averaging really good, of course. Uh, I'm so tempted to do that, but something tells me uh, that this year is going to be a little bit different. Yep. I, but I, I'm going to say my pick, and you guys tell me if you think it's fair or not. I'm going to go Mari Vilman because he's averaging 17th on the year because of European Open. If you think that's unfair, unfair, no, <laughs> unfair. No, I mean, seventeenth. We need. I mean, we I need. Kind of, I think we need a three event minimum. I think that's the, the most fair way to do it, in my opinion. And maybe like elite majors because I think he's played some Euro tours. Yeah. So he's got pro tour points. Yeah, because I could. I, could I, I got right. Right. Dip, right? And then have a one finish. Well, we added then the eightieth minimum or the eightieth thing for for pop. So I think that's okay. Okay, that's so okay. I'll, I'll switch. Right. I'm gonna go to Cole. And you know what? Cool, you haven't played good here in the past, so that's why I'm picking you. I'm right. I'm sticking with the harshness. I picked him as my uh, lock for MVP Open, oh. so it's uh, switching it around. All right, all right. Well, now we're uh, throwing it over to <clears throat> Throw Pink. Is it Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championships? Daniel, you went first last time. We'll let someone else go first this time. Matt, me, Ben, Evan. Who do you want? And we're doing the pop. We're popping off right now. Page two for me. Oh, there we go. Page two, come on, you got this. I believe in you. Mm. Another toughie here because this is why the game's fun, though. Um, Haley King. Is that bad? That is a terrible. Oh, yeah, I think that's pretty bad. This is pop off. Her average is good. Yeah, she's really good. So that's that's a bad play. That's the question. How? Oh, it is pretty Um, good. It is pretty good. She'd have to win it to get any points, really. Oh man, I don't know. One page two. I want to pick somebody like Sai, but I don't feel it. Lika is performing well lately. What about? This is tough. I'm doing it live. I did not prepare this. Um, All right, I'll jump I'll put, in. Yeah, I was going to say, I got, I got one. Go Marie, ahead, Maria going. Oliva. All right. That's my pop. Uh, right. I'm going Silva Saarinen. She has played six events this year at Elite Majors. Thank you very much. Um, she's playing great. She's very good. And if you don't know her name, you will know her name very soon. All right. I'm going Katie Tati. She's my pick. Daniel? I'm going Alexis Mandahano. Nice. Almost picked her, actually. Is that a good pick? Yeah. That's my question. Is We need yeah. like a rundown oh, no, sheet no, before I'm, the I'm show. Yeah. Val, you sorry, do that sorry. pre-show. We need that pre-show. That's, that's the work you do. Yeah. That's the work you have to Mando should do that. I, so I'm doing work for all of you guys yeah. to be better at Pop Lock Drop? I, no, honestly, I, win. I don't think it's that deep. So no, you don't got to do it for me. I'm all just right, going to guess day up. Ben, where's Alexis? Wait, where is she? She's registered? Oh, she is. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. I'll go. Cool. I'll go Haley King back to back. Um, I just found her Hawkeye in the pits of Maple Hill, hole 16. Wait, you just went Haley King? Yeah. On pop for lock. Lock. Oh, I was just like, what? I'm I'm behind. No, his pop pop was pay shoot. So I I (laughs) dove into a swamp for her disc and she got it back. um, So I gave her that good luck juice because she's going to throw that disc that I retrieved from the swamp. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Evan, you have a lock. Uh, I mean, I'm wasting my time if I don't say Kristen Tatar. Yeah, yeah. So I've never <laughs> I'm going Kristen Tatar. Uh, 
Do, do we have to ban Kristen next year? Oh, it's boring to pick her. Whoops. She's so wow, this is points. Dude, it We're is boring. You are very boring with your right pick. I'm looking right at Matt with yep. that statement. You, and you're very boring with that pick. Missy Gannon. That's a good pick. I love that I pick. I love Missy's. Daniel? Pick. Yeah, big money Missy. Let's go. I'll go Christine Tatar. All right. That's my guy. <laughs> I think that's a very safe bet. All right. We're dropping someone. Someone's got to get dropped. Who are you dropping, Ben? Uh, See, it's hard when you go first. I'm just going to go. Is Owen Scoggins playing? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go her because she's nasty, so good. And hopefully she just forgets how to play disc golf this week. And that'll help me. Dang, savage. <laughs> you don't have to be so rude about it. I say hopefully. I'm not saying she, she probably won't. That's probably the worst yeah. pick I could have done. But I'll go Holland Hanley. It's a real gamble. If you could see. Here, I'll show you what I was just looking at. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> same. Yeah. Same. Holland Hanley for me and Nick. Evan? I will go Katrina Allen. Uh, she's still averaging 14th. And uh, I don't think she's finished in the top 14 since the European Open. So. She chose this event to go back to old form. I forgot to tell you that. Hey, you know what? That'd be cool. Yeah. Good for her. And I will gladly be wrong. I did that. I, I did sorry. that work pre-show. I texted her and I found that out because I'm doing the real work on the ground yeah. level. You know. All right, Daniel. Who are you dropping? <laughs> I'm going to drop Ella Hansen. Ella Hansen. I almost said Ella Hansen, too. Man, it's going to be Holland Hanley and Ella Hansen. Going down to the wire for the win, and y'all are gonna be sorry. I was just gonna say, imagine Ella Hansen. This is the one she wins. I always pick her too. (laughs) Cool. Well, well, but that's the point of drop. We gotta, we gotta put it so good. Evan, since Daniel brought this up to us tonight, can you make sure to grab his as well so we can add him into the points for next week? Yeah, sure. I'll add him into the last place finisher spot. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Uh, Wishing the best to you, Daniel. And uh, it's pretty easy to beat some of the other. uh, contestants here on this show in pop lock drop pretty Did easy I win last week <laughs> I, i'm Thank a little you, too cocky with pop lock drop so yeah. i think I deserve he loves to get it whooped. all right i know so, he literally uh, he like wakes up and he wakes up in the middle like he's like ah i i just want pop lock drop i, I may forgot not, i may not beat any of you in disco when we play disco i will not win but we'll i see. can win at something we're filming tomorrow yeah all oh, right yeah, that'll be daniel fun. thank you so much coming up. appreciate it yeah, and as out. always thank you all right here we go. Um, <clears throat> so that was fun. Uh, we've never done that before. We brought in a longtime listener just to go through a segment with us. I thought that was great. We still have a lot of text coming in on topics uh, we could do, but we are at a later point in the show. So we're not going to do that. Um, yeah, this is an exciting week. Uh, to the interview with Will and just talking about the prestige of this event, this is a big one. Uh, people say this is the one, if you get a chance to be there, be there if you don't normally watch this is the pay-per-view like you should watch this they need to win a jacket at this term this we have to have a jacket tournament and i think uscgc would be the prime nantucket has it well speaking of a jacket yeah casey white just won a jacket nice orange one yeah it looked orange on facebook it might be more of a salmon (laughs) color i'm not really sure you know it's a salmon-y reddish yeah Yeah. but i'm just saying for this tournament like the masters everyone you know all the previous winners they all show up they've got their jackets on and it's just it's a very very nice looking thing i would love it if disc golf at this event i'm a little biased because it's my favorite color but like a nice blue jacket would just nice blue blazer i think would be icing i think the rings are awesome i've actually um, like I've seen Paul's up close. I've held them. They're really, really freaking cool. 
Um, I think ring, ring is cooler. I'm going to say it. But no one they just goes both. around like it's tougher to see them wearing the ring rather than sure. when you see them at the player's party and it's there oh, okay. at the table where, you yeah. know, this is the past winners. It's this cool feeling to it. Because yeah, where else would they wear wearing, the jackets? Yeah, seeing them wear the jackets would be like. <laughs> Remember man, the first pro, pro tour, tour ones in the world? Yeah, dude. <laughs> a white yeah. spacesuit jacket. What was it? Tompkins one year for Worlds was wearing it during like a rainstorm yeah. for Paul. He was wearing the pro it's tour so jacket. Cool. So yeah. cool. Um, so, anyways, this event is big. It's wrap almost wrapping up the season. Uh, we both have both FPO and MPO people, people, <laughs> players playing uh, tomorrow. You can hear that we're filming we probably won't post it right away it may be a few weeks but like we're gonna do a fun video um we're reviewing a disc golf bag and as part of the process of our our content and we're gonna be doing something with tech disc mm -hmm. um Fire. we're gonna literally this could be fun how far can you throw a disc um throw in the chat right now before we close out we gotta type it for each of us how far are each of us gonna throw because we're gonna do a baseline standard for how far each of us throw without the use of the tech disc as our coaching tool. Then through the process of finding out and using tech disc, we're going to attempt to increase our distance. Not in one day, not in one afternoon. All it might be that easy. How far are we going to throw this? Uh, let me just get it on record because next week, well, next week's episode is weird. We'll talk about that. But Evan, we're going to go out there tomorrow and I've got a range finder. Like this is serious, not even to be funny. Like, how far do you think you're gonna throw your farthest throw? Like, actually, oh, to we're the going dot. to a field. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Actually, uh, to like I'm the gonna dot. say three twelve. Okay, three twelve. No, I, you got more than that. <laughs> no, get out of here. Get out of here. I've seen I, you. I've it, seen you park this to uh, Meadowbrook. Oh shoot! I I was thinking backhand. My bad. Oh, it um, can be yeah. whatever you want to yeah, work yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should um, do backhand. Both. Will be three twelve uh four oh forehand's so inconsistent though it could be uh i'm gonna say forehand will only be like 345 okay yeah here so anyway it, and i say anyways that's interesting and my ankle is still an issue about that anyways yeah. right maybe maybe 350 yeah. well and we're gonna be a flat flat like you don't get any elevation help with this that's the best part yeah, it makes you feel miserable power forehand in a while but I, i'm excited it's to not see just me like ben what do you think you're gonna, it's gonna throw? make I, you feel miserable i'll tell you that much because like I'm, i throwing flat field man so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a great i don't know how to do distance lines where they do any i i pretty much just throw hyzer flip ups um so i definitely can get to 450 on flat yeah like i'm flat i'm pretty sure i can't wait until you don't get yes, 400 this is what i'm saying I'm pretty you're sure. gonna, when you barely tap 400 you'll be like depressed whoa it uh, and no, you throw farther than me, so you're gonna break throw, 400. But it is like, I've done this before, and every time you're like, oh, I think I can throw that far because you're out in the course. You get out to the flat field, and you're just like, Nick, what do you think you're gonna throw? I'm trying to think. The last time <laughs> I even played number. disc golf, right now. Well, I, I want to say this real quick too: is like flat ground. Like if we're throwing in a field too, like no tee pad. Yeah. Like you're. We'll give you throwing no, off of a grass. Where we're gonna go? Where we're pavement? gonna go? You have a little sidewalk portion. You'll be able okay, to go. Yeah. Out. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Should, uh, so I, that's better, but go. still, like flat ground. It just like it. I mean, to me, it just feels like I give it all my might, and it just like it feels a little short. But it, when you're on the course, it feels a little bit different. You get a little bit of downhill, and you let it soar. <sighs> 
it feels shorter than you think. And I think internet <laughs> distance is very real yes. and everybody overrates it. Like 300 is a good disc golf distance for an amateur. Like that is good. I want to say that on the record now. <laughs> do you, yeah, what do you think, I Nick? Think, I think four. you didn't give a number like with what I'm going to throw. I'll be lucky if I hit 410 tomorrow. Lucky. I think so. Yeah. I haven't. Uh, what's today's date? October 2nd. And you should throw further if you haven't thrown in a while. I don't you know. I, I don't. <laughs> I like. I can't off the top of my head tell you the last time I actually threw a disc. All right. Well, like since be I've been in Massachusetts, this will be fun. I don't think I have. Can we bring Simon? Simon, are you listening? No, he's at USDGC. He's, yeah, yeah. he's down there. Like, can he just be our standard of like yeah. throw one shot and now we try? We'll get Nick Economos to come out and do it. Ooh, just be like, hey, be throw fun. one. See shot. if Tech Disc yeah. can help him throw further. Well, <laughs> I, cool. I I did Tech Disc. Yeah, actually. Yeah, Sorry. they already told you. So now this is a problem. You yeah. can't use any of that information. I've already seen. Yeah, I've already I've already done tactics at Worlds, and and they have you worked on your problems? I guess, but they they say I can throw <laughs> wow. like whatever I throw. Shoulder pushing it back, and the yeah, exactly. Get more recoil. It said I've thrown over five hundred in the tactics, but I like can't. I don't think I can do that. Well. Depends. On the flat field, it's you, hard. We're going to talk about this. We're not doing the review right now. You have to set in the flight numbers for the disc you're throwing. So if you oh, usually throw a destroyer, for instance, yeah, you need to make sure in tech disc that it's it doesn't give you destroyer. You put in the flight numbers. Because if you're throwing 500, you need to see what those flight characteristics were of that disc so you can go buy it. Because if you're throwing 500, it's very likely you could. So, uh, yeah, I know. Um, for it's me, not right flight for me, honestly. I'm really curious because of my ankle issue. I'm uh -huh. yep. I may bow out of it tomorrow because no. a month or two ago, before Tech Disc, I actually went out to the field with my kids with a rangefinder, and we did all of their rangefinding uh, for both of them, and we did mine. I can tell you what my furthest throw was right now. I think I'll probably try throwing tomorrow, but I want to make sure I don't overdo it. Um, my farthest throw was three ninety five with a destroyer. That's good. That was my farthest. And I was probably yeah. out of like maybe six or seven throws. The rest were probably in that like 370, 360 range. It's hard. I'm like, couldn't I have thrown that extra freaking five feet? Yeah, no, right. Five. Yeah. I walked up and I'm like, dude, I can hold five feet like in between my arms, yeah. like hug it. Like I couldn't get the 400. It's that hard once you get to the end of your range. So that's my number. We'll see what happens tomorrow, but we're doing more than that. So we've got some content that will be coming dude, in gotta, the next few I got to prepare. I got to hit 450. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna hit the gym tonight. <laughs> you don't. Here's the thing. You want it to be normalized. Pizza. You want it to be normalized <laughs> for this experiment. Well, there's guys. nothing I can actually do to prepare. <clears throat> no, but this is my point. Be normalized. Like if you're like trying so hard tomorrow, make sure you're trying with that same strength after tech disc. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be. Yeah. We don't want to be like, oh my goodness, he just threw 80 feet further doing nothing different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to mm -hmm. average and all that. But that's tomorrow, guys. We got stuff going on. Um, exciting week, and we will talk to you all another time. Where's the outro music? I, I, I was out last week and forgot Thank how to run the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another awesome Monday night, episode 159, presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Go check them out. And if you're down at USDGC, I said this earlier, but go check them out at Vendor Village Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Cosmic Disc Golf will be there. Uh, shout out to Discology, Disc Golf Pins, Tech Disc. We're doing awesome collaborations with them, so we're super excited about that. Once again, thank you, everybody. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Please like it. Please subscribe to the channel. Maybe when we hit another milestone, we'll do another really cool giveaway. So uh, awesome show. I'm super pumped for USDGC this week. Go get your Disc Golf Network subscri subscription if you do not have it already. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll see you in the next one.
That's right. I missed you guys last week. Ben, you're awesome. I think you tried to do this. You were like, uh, how does it work? Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Adios. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.